from Madison, Wisconsin in the United States of Global Hegemony, it's Didactic Syncast, with your host Eric P. Y'all ready for this? So Hello, Earthlings, and welcome to the Didactic Syncast, your overview of everything important on the planet Earth. I'm Eric S. Piotrowski, a writer and educator in Wisconsin, USA. I am known as Duke Scath in the world of video games and Twitter, a.k.a. Skartle in the world of Wikipedia and Reddit. Today is Tuesday, 18th of August, 2020. On this program, I bring you a range of news stories, historical and literary perspectives, and my opinions on topics like current events, war, human rights, economics, education, hip-hop music, and killer robots. So buckle up and let's get started. A little bit better than dope is. A brand new kid to show biz. With knowledge, I persevere. But if I now do me a favor, favor. let me an ear. Then we can find a rhyme to fill in space and drop the bass with a taste of light. We are in a very interesting time in the United States. Uh, For those who don't know, I can't imagine anybody out there doesn't know, but Donald Trump is trying to destroy the Postal Service in order to prevent mail-in voting in November, which is atrocious. And the fact that every member of Congress hasn't stood up and said, absolutely not, we will not allow this to happen, is, I think, a disgrace. And it's a sad testament to what really matters to people in this country. And I'm trying not to let my anger and hostility uh, wash over me because I don't want to live as a person who's filled with rage and anger. So as always, the challenge is balancing that anger and being angry for a long time and, and being properly angry at what's wrong in the world We should never become well-adjusted to injustice, as Cornel West says, Um, but also being a joyful person and making the lives of those immediately around us better and not filled with that anger and hatred. So, uh, yeah, it's frustrating. And I once wrote in my show notes here, how do we keep moving when we are surrounded by a cult of ignorance and disinformation? And I, I think about that a lot because this is a hard, difficult time in our nation and it's a difficult time in the world. Uh, we are facing an ecological disaster that is only going to get worse as time goes on. And we are not dealing with it in any meaningful way. And that really makes me angry because the costs paid in the future are going to be more severe. And the people who are making the decisions to ignore this catastrophe are not the ones who are going to suffer because of it. I'll never forget I had a class where we were discussing the age-old debate about, you know, security versus freedom and all that. And I had a student who just very poignantly said, the people who have uh, less freedom are not the ones who are worried about security. And I looked at him and I was like, wow, I'd never heard it put so well. And this was not a student who talked a lot in class. So I was very happy on that day. In any case, uh, yeah, that's not why we're here today. I just sort of wanted to talk a little bit about stuff going on in the world. Uh, Hassan Minaj's show, The Patriot Report, is now, or Patriot Act, is going off the air, which is very sad. It was a great show on Netflix. They also, I don't know if they canceled it or not. Some people are saying it's not Netflix's fault, necessarily. I don't know if it is or not, but I'm angry about the fact that that show is going away. I love that show. Uh, Netflix had canceled Michelle Wolf's show, The Break. I love that show. I think it should still be on. Um, yeah. So anyway, that made me sad today, but there are things that are making me happy today. I'm reading a book by Hajun Chang, my favorite economist, and I have Ursula Le Guin's translation of the Tao Te Ching and my wife makes me happy and my dog makes me happy. 
And I am also happy about my conversation that I just had with Michael Chin and Stuart Fowler from the Veteran Gamers. Uh, We've been doing a video game podcast for many years now. I met them finally two summers ago, and it was awesome. And uh, yeah, we sat down. So I had been hucking them to watch The Wire for a while, and they eventually did. They recently burned through and binged the whole series, all five seasons. And then I said, you know what? Y'all just got done watching it. I love that show. I've seen it like five times now. Let's talk about it. So we sat down and we had a really long discussion about the whole show. And it was a lot of fun because they're fun people. And we obviously are going to talk about a lot of spoilers on the podcast, starting with the very first moments of our discussion. But I should also say there's a lot of bad words in our conversation, not because we are cursing up a storm, but because we use the occasional curse word. And also because in the show that we use some quotes from, uh, there are curse words there which is not shocking to anybody who's ever seen The Wire. If you haven't seen The Wire, I really urge you to watch it. If you, instead of listening to this program or before listening to this program, you, you, should, you should watch The Wire. This conversation won't really make a lot of sense if you haven't seen it. But if you have seen it, I think you'll really enjoy this discussion that we have. So, uh, yeah, without any further ado, here is our conversation. And as we begin, uh, Chinny treats us to his rendition of The Wire theme song. Enjoy. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. Stop repenting because the ending is near. But don't panic, you can't function if you live in a fear. Pay attention, you gotta listen to hear. I'm mad prepared. Do we to sing the theme tune of The Wire? I'm, oh, I've God, got I it queued up. How it goes now. I was gonna <laughs> play an excerpt from each season before we talk about that season. The Wire. The wire, oh my god, shot by a little child. There you go. <laughs> All right, that's a good note on which to begin. Welcome, everybody, to the Didactic Syncast Veteran Gamers cross promotional spoiler cast for The Wire. I am here with Chinny and Stu from the Veteran Gamers. <laughs> Say hello. Ah, hello. Uh, so, how much are we get paid? How much is yeah. the pay on the. We'll talk about cast. that later. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> The money comes from uh, Marlo. I don't know if you want it because there's going to be strings Marlo, attached. Marlo, he's got loads of Yeah, I, I, I don't know what Michael's playing out there. I would have just accepted that money. I'm not What's the problem, cool Michael? Marlo's just take money. the money. Jeez, you're so yeah. suspicious. Yeah. All right, yeah. so here's the way this is going to work. Uh, we are going to try to keep this crisp. We're going to move through not every single thing that happens, but we're going to talk about one season at a time. And I want to okay. start by playing excerpts from the theme tune to each season played by different mm. people. And season one is from uh, The Blind Boys of Alabama. Uh-huh. So, let's talk real quick about the opening scene because I think it's really important. Uh, what were your first impressions when you started watching uh, this show? This is old. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Look at that. It looks so grainy. It's 4-3. 4-3, uh, <laughs> yeah. old. Yeah. Like, it's everybody, amazing, isn't it? <laughs> a lot of this first season of is them just explaining what a what a mobile phone is uh, or, yeah. or and all that. Um, I think uh, I think 
what I learned quickly on the first and second episode is like this this show is slow. This yeah. isn't going to be... Yeah, it, it took a while, didn't it? Yeah. That first yeah. episode, even the first episode, right? And I'm going to put it out there now. I Prior to actually finishing The Wire and actually getting to the end of every season, yeah, I think Kay and I started the first episode probably five times. Yeah. It and, took me and a few times. Probably three of them. We never got to the end of the first episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, definitely um... a show that requires you to put some work into absolutely it, I, which... I went through half the first season and then said you know what i'm not into this i'm not feeling it i'm not going to watch it and then i went back yeah. to it later and i should give some shout outs at the outset to my friend megan from high school uh she's the one who told me you've got to watch this you're gonna love it uh my friend chris who i taught with for a while he was also big into the wire once i finally watched it we had a lot of really good conversations as well as my friend an, another friend megan that i used to teach next to my brother Mark and my friend Garrett, uh, we've had a lot of really good conversations. And it's in fact, Garrett was the one who got me into Oz, which is another very good show that I recommend to everybody. Similar people, isn't it? Similar, similar people. There's a lot of actors, yeah, who are in both shows. Um, Oz yeah. is about prison specifically. Uh, the Wire is about a lot more than that. And I should say that I often, I, I hucked Stu and Chinny here to watch The Wire in part because right. Chinny was huge into Breaking Bad. And they're both good shows. But my point early on, which continues to be the case, is that Breaking Bad is a very interesting psychological exploration of a small group of people. And The Wire is a sociological exploration of like this entire cast of characters. That's right. I I think, you you, you know, me and Stu come at the show as like The Wire is the best thing ever. So we, we have to kind of be careful when you got that in your head because the start... The start of Breaking Bad is you see a pair of pants fly down the the screen (laughs) and there's an RV with the two dead bodies. And for some reason, the dad from Marco in the Middle is in his pants (laughs) and then he almost shoots himself. (laughs) If this was structured like The Wire, it would be Walt teaching a class for like 40 minutes. You know, it's like it's it's very... It's very different. Like Breaking Bad is a show that is like we're going to enter- we're going to tell this story yeah. in the most entertaining way. Mm-hmm. And the wire is. Let's keep. It I, real. I don't know if we could. I don't know if we could swear keep on the show, but the wire is. The wire is. Fuck you. Uh, this is the way it is. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. This is real life, kind of. Right. And that's by design. You know, David Simon said he approached it like it was a novel. And, you know, he had worked on Homicide Life on the Streets. He had worked on The Corner. He'd written a lot. I mean, he had covered Homicide in Baltimore for decades. So he Mm. knew... You know, his his mode of writing was journalistic. And so he he was approaching this kind of in between journalism and novel style storytelling, which is kind of what a TV show is. Um, Episode one, we're not going to go through every episode, but I do think episode one is really important because it lets us know how the game is played from both sides of the perspectives. David Simon said that he wanted to create the wire in order to let people see how arresting your way out of the drug war doesn't work. And I think more than anything, that's what it does. And that's what episode one sets us up with is how messed up this system is. And I think, I don't know if it's in episode one, but, um, Carver and uh, Herc are the two like, you know, lughead cops that are ready to crack some skulls all the time. They're arguing yeah. about whether the drug war is a real war. And I think it's Carver who says, no, 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 wars end, which I think is a really important go. point there about the opening. Mm. What I quite liked about the first episode was that um, 
again, this is a show where it's like, this is how it is. It's almost like you just moved into Baltimore yeah. and this is how things are because D'Angelo, who's the chap in court, uh, uh, he's he's already done something. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like we don't really... And it, the show never really goes into what he did and nope. whether he did it. And it's it's heavily implied that he did do it. But, yeah. you know, that the, there's no sort of flashback or anything nope. like that. It's like nope. the show isn't about what he did and what he right. didn't do. Exactly. It's about, well, he's in court now. And, and it's, it, it puts you in very much that the show starts and ends at the, at the very, very end of like, this, this this stuff goes on whether oh, yeah. we we're, we're looking at it yeah. or not. I mean, right. I'm assuming. Have you seen City of God? Yeah. No. And that's a very similar structure. Yep. I agree. It, it sort of starts with stuff going on and it ends with stuff going, and it's this never-ending cycle. But I think and that. Sorry, go ahead, Stu. I was going to say, and that when I got to the end of the wire, I I said to Kay probably about the fourth season in, I said I think this is going to end like City of God. It's going to be a it's just going to carry on. You know, stuff will happen, but you'll get to the end and it's just like, yeah, you know, these people will carry on doing what they're doing. The, right. You know, the younger generation will replace the ones that have sort of got too old or they're not streetwise enough anymore. And that's exactly what happened. And I think, I think David Simon is, and the other creators of the show, are realists because they are showing us just how bad everything is. But they're not pessimists because they're not saying that there's nothing that can be done. There are minor successes along the ways and there are certain ways in which the story does demonstrate the capacity of humans to care for one another and to to make life better for each other. But it's not a simple fix and it's a type of thing that requires systematic change and an understanding of how big and powerful these systems are. Oh yeah, definitely. And I also think that, you know, Life's shit, isn't it? You know, in these sorts of places where the, this stuff is going on, it's yeah. it's kind of true to life, you know. And I know you're saying it's not pessimistic, but there are problems with this cycle, aren't there? You know, oh, where yeah. the, the young ones coming up just get into the same rut as the older ones going out and Absolutely. they end up in the same positions. Absolutely. And, and, and yeah. the system doesn't care enough about these kids to start with the most important point of all, which is tell the truth about what's going on with them. And instead we have this endless parade of police sergeants and educational professionals and journalists and politicians who say, look, we've had this success. And it's not, we know it's not a real success. It's what they call juking the stats. And I have sound clips. We can play those later, whatever. Um, you see, I, I learned, I was going to say, I learned two things from the first episode. Yes, number one. The lawyer, the lawyer who's um, defending D'Angelo is completely corrupt. Levy, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Levy. Levy. And uh, Rawls hates McNulty. <laughs> now, how can you tell that Rawls hates McNulty in the first episode? I don't know. I don't Which know. one's Rawls again? These are for you, oh, McNulty. This one's straight up your Irish ass. And this one's going to be straight oh, in the your fat guy. eye. No, 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 not the, the super the, fat guy. The guy he's, who ends up like the commissioner at the end or whatever. He's the major who tells... Oh, you know, yeah. he's right. Given him the, the gay guy. Fingers. And it's never mentioned yeah. ever again. Right. And that's one of the most right. beautiful yeah, yeah. moments of character... <laughs> evolution I love that. Yeah, it takes two seconds yeah. and i didn't notice <laughs> so it the first good. time i watched the show I, someone told me like hey what about that scene with rawls i'm like what and i had to go back and look at it again yeah. did you not notice well, that he was in the i didn't club not the first Roma. time yeah well i, I watched the, an interview with that actor right yeah. yeah and uh and he he went up to david simon is it and he said uh hey david you know like you know, this scene with the with me in the gay bar, like I'm I'm ready to do whatever. You know, if you want 
this character to go that you know in that direction like i'm happy to do whatever you yeah. want and apparently david summer just walked off <laughs> <laughs> he just walked off didn't say anything to him just walked off just mm. read what's on the page man yeah just just whatever that's it uh prez is a bad cop at the start of the show right like that's he's right a scumbag yeah. he blinds yeah, a kid with his gu- he's just an asshole and it's interesting yeah. because he's um valchek's nephew i guess or son-in-law i guess yeah uh, yeah son-in-law yeah and i get the feeling like yeah i get the feeling like right his family is a cop family and so it's like this is what he's always planned to do and he's never had to you know he's never had to really i think that's when he starts to find himself when he realizes how bad he screws up i think this is how good the wire is at sort of giving you these really gray characters yes because the first time prez was introduced for me I was just like, what a dick. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, you and know, a scumbag who deserves a, no compassion. Yeah, he a has, scumbag. <laughs> yeah, he's an evil person, right? He, and, and I don't yeah. want to get into, like, whether there are good or evil people in the world, but I do think that people are capable of change, but it takes a long time. And that's why I think a show yeah. like this is really important is because it lets him be not a scumbag forever, but it, it, you know, he doesn't just instantly become a hero. The movie crash tries to show people becoming evil and then becoming good. And, Oh, everyone's great. But I think in order to do it right, it takes time. And this show takes its time. If nothing else. No, I think, I think what's really good about Prez, And I think this is, you know, where, where you're saying not everything's pessimistic, but I think he's the prime example of this show where, a character isn't pessimistic and has a really good ending. Yeah. You know, and he and has, has a sort of story that goes to a really good place at the end of it. Right. All. And, and I think he, what, right. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, what I also think is great about Prez is how he finds his niche. Yeah. You know, he finds what he's good at and right. then the, you know, the people around him utilize that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and he, he gives it a try with a cop. He's going to be in the office for a while. He cracks the code with the, you know, the, the numbers on the pagers, which is great. Um, but then he's back on the street and he kills the other cop. And it's just like, oh, dude. He just can't get a break, that Perez. Well, and it, I think it shows that he's not made to be a cop, right? And, and he well, accepts well, it. Well, he's a good cop, but an office kind of data yeah, right, cop, exactly, isn't he? Yeah. Exactly, right. He's right. like the sort of, well, what the show is all about, really. He's a computer cop. Yeah, and he's, he's only much. sort of backed into being a teacher. He didn't yeah, really yeah. sort of like put his, I mean, maybe he would have right. done it, but like he didn't put his yeah. gun down and go, oh, I want to be a teacher. It's like, oh shit, like what am I going to do with my life now? And then he falls into being a teacher. And let's be so honest. So he was a good he, sort of office cop. Yeah, let's office be honest. Anybody who, though, yeah, anybody who chooses to be a teacher is just weird. Can we all agree on that? <laughs> That's true. I can find this. Hey-o. Um, Bunk and McNulty, we got to talk about. They're based on Bunk's McNulty's. The Bunk's yeah, the Mi- best character. And Bunk's I based on them. a real person. McNulty's based on one of the creators of the show. Mm. Um, yeah. And they, of course, have the famous fuck scene, not where they're getting together, but where they're investigating this murder and the yeah, only yeah, line the of dialogue. With the bully trajectory. Yeah. Like, fuck. Yeah. Fuck. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> fuck. Well, the other thing about this show, which I didn't really <laughs> expect, is that it's funny. Yeah. Oh, it's very oh, funny. Oh, yeah. Like, like really funny like I, I like uh like when bunk gets wrecked and he he he, he stays out of some woman's house or something yeah. and he's just staying in a bunk bed or something like that I, she I don't calls know. him and she I just, calls mcnulty to come get him yeah i, I just yeah. didn't expect the show to be funny oh, for yeah, some totally. reason and you know. i don't remember when it is but i know there's a scene where 
uh, Bodie and his friend, I think it's Poot, goes with him to the movies, and they're coming out, and they run into yeah. Carver and That's Kirk, right. and they're like, "Y'all go to the movies?" <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's one good. of the. Movie I was going to say, can I just go back a little bit? You know the fuck scene. Yeah. I I think that is one of the best scenes that only uses one word of dialogue. Oh yeah, it's a great. It's scene. unbelievable what they it's... get out of. All those different ways of saying it. It's just well, I don't know. I I just kind of thought it was silly but funny sort of thing. No, but I I do think it's effective because I always tell my students, you know, like if you're writing a story, you have to ask yourself how much of the dialogue would they actually be saying, or do they have their established patterns of doing things? So when you when the three of us get together, right, we can just say Leroy Jenkins and we know what that means. We can go Jason and we know what it means. And some people that are listening to the podcast. Right. They'll be into it and they'll know the joke. But for other people, they'll be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I think that scene, in addition to doing other things and being silly, also demonstrates the power of their shared perspective and their shared ability to communicate in a way that doesn't require anything beyond just this one word over and over again. I think I, I, I like a lot of a lot of scenes and shows where they do two things at once very yeah. well yeah. like so the a perfect example of this is black mirror and the uh, you know the space one season four episode one the space fleet one yeah yeah and every scene in that show is like two things right. there's like one obvious thing right and then a second thing that and you, you don't, think don't about. realize what exactly is happening in the first scenes until you watch it again. that's right yeah. that's right so what's happening in that scene with bunk and mcnulty is you know they're solving a crime so what's clever about it is they're not saying any words yeah they you so you it it, it on the surface it's like oh they're solving a crime without talking right that's really clever but the second thing that you're getting out of it is like these two guys they just know each other so well yeah. that they don't need to say anything. Like they're just doing the, the, yeah, the job. Definitely. They're like best buds. And they're good at their job too. That's the other thing. You know, there's this line yeah. that comes up over and over again about being natural born police. Good police. Good right, police. Exactly. Yeah. And 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 they but demonstrated Nolte, in that scene. But McNulty suffers from self destructive disorder. Oh, to say the least. least. God damn. <laughs> to say the very least. And that brings us to a conversation he has with Lester Freeman later on in the show, which we'll get to. I want to play the sound clip because it's so important. Um, but let's talk a little bit about Lester Freeman because I think he's another really important character. Uh, he was a, a great police officer back in the day, had his whole career ahead of him, and then he got involved in this case, which he runs through in about 30 seconds, and it's easy to... I didn't really get it until, like, my third watch-through, but it doesn't really matter, again, what exactly happened, so much as it was he pissed off the wrong person. And he yeah, had, he, 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 he rubs someone oh, yeah, the wrong I mean, way, and yeah. that's it. I think The Wire, in general, is a definite... It's it's not what you know, it's who you know. Oh, yeah, totally. And, and who you make angry, because we see McNulty yeah. get sent to the boat, we see, you know, this person and that person, and it's also on the other side of things, right? Uh, D'Angelo gets killed because he's asking too many questions, specifically the one question, where Wallace at? Yeah, well, I suppose D'Angelo... Well, the yeah. the interesting thing about D'Angelo is that like he's he's almost like qu- quite content. Like he's he, he doesn't even look like he's going to snitch it. Like right yeah. towards oh, yeah. before he's going to die, uh-huh. he just says he's out. I'm he's like my he's, head not, down. I'm he's not in, playing the game. He's in the books. I'm out. Group I, at prison. Yeah, he's just going to. 
Yeah, he could have easily just had a quiet life. I didn't really get the impression he was going to snitch necessarily. Yeah. I just kind of got the impression that he was out. Oh, yeah, I think totally. Stringer just wanted him out of the way. Well, well that's okay. the thing. If somebody's out the game, then they're, they're dangerous, aren't they? They're right, more exactly. dangerous than when exactly. they're in. Like, you... Stringer's like a very mild version of Marlowe later. Yeah, in a way, that's well. true. I agree with that. Um, because they're... Well, I mean, Marlowe is kind of a sadist, right? And we'll get to this later. But, but, but it is... I think Stringer is a businessman, right? And he's just yeah. interested in what's good for the business and what's going to get them this long-term self-interested success. And Avon, of course, is sort of not a, I don't think he's a prisoner, but he's just like, he's, yeah. he's, a, he's a part of the game. He's, he's old, old school, school and he has a certain way of handling his business. And of course he says to, um, to Stringer at one point in the show, I got this sound clip for the, uh, veteran gamers soundboard, but it's very appropriate to play it here. You know what? I look at you these days, you know what I see? I see a man without a country. Not hard enough for this right here. And maybe, just maybe, not smart enough for them out there. And that's one of the shame, biggest shames about Stringer's life is that he ha he's really smart. He's really good at what he does. And if he had been you know, born into some sort of life where he could have gotten a job in an office and become the manager, start his own company, he could have lived a really good life. But because he got trapped in this situation where he was running this drug operation and then he wanted to try to take it straight um it he got crushed by his circumstances yeah, i think, I think the other thing with stringer is it doesn't matter how posh a suit he was yeah like deep down he's still a gangster isn't he that's what he is that's that's his nature that's how he grew up that's and and he, he makes bad decisions let's not kid ourselves yeah he's 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 not he, he we, we look at greek tragedy you know sophocles and things fall apart and shakespeare we see that fate has something to do with it um society and other people have something to do with it and they make the mistakes right macbeth does stupid things right uh, and Stringer does stupid things, and he gets caught eventually for yeah, his he crimes. Trusts, he trusts Clay Davis. He trusts Clay Davis. Oh my goodness! And and he, oh, who wouldn't trust that man? Well, but it's the thing. It's not just that he trusts Clay Davis. It's a question about whether Clay Davis was never going to make good on his promise, right? Because no, I don't Clay, think he was. Well, I don't he know was if never he never going to make good. But we don't know for sure. And Clay yeah, Davis' whole... But, but here's Clay the thing, though. Davis. But Clay Davis is the type of person who just collects favors and collects favors, and at some point, he might need to call one in. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it, it doesn't really seem like Clay Davis is a man with a plan, does it, really? Wow. He's, he just, I'm not he saying he is, but he finds his... But he finds ways to stay alive. And all I'm saying is, if you can get on his good side, same with Levy... They might be able to help you out when you really need it. That's all I'm saying. So the yeah. idea of he trusted Clay Davis and that was the wrong move, that's true. But it's also Definitely. true that everybody in the show in some way is trusting an institution or an organization or a person that they probably shouldn't trust. And in some cases it works out, in some cases it doesn't. Yeah, because ultimately, when even when people mean good, they don't always have the means to do that good. Yeah, so, you know, that's totally. A, that's totally. a good phrase right there. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say that's a good phrase. Yeah, Other things we need to talk about in season one. Weebay, real yeah. quick, is an enforcer for the Barksdale organization. He goes Remind to prison. Remind me Weebay. He's, a... he's the guy who, when he's <laughs> confessing to like 10 murders, he's eating chicken and stuff, and he's just like, nom, 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 yeah, I'll confess to this. Oh, Weebay is the guy where yeah, the yeah, meme yeah. comes from, where he's yeah, just exactly. looking he's thinking. Yeah. Yeah, he's exactly. the guy with the, the... My favorite thing about him is he lives with the fish. He oh, loves fish. Because so, he thinks... 
<laughs> Who is it? D'Angelo that he takes there? D'Angelo, yeah, he and thinks, thinks he's gonna, gonna get well, wet. D'Angelo thinks he's gonna die. Oh yeah, he's ready to die, and then he turns on the lights, and he's like, "You got to take care of my fish, man." It's what I love about that is like when you see him again in season four, because yeah. you see his son die. Yeah, oh, right. he goes, yeah, "How's my fish?" He only cares about exactly. But I think there's an interesting so even parallel. Though, even though he'll kill people without a second alarm. Well, you've got to the fish. He really cares about that. Well, because there's well, that's, 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 that's what makes him human, though, isn't it? That's, yeah. that's the thing. <laughs> totally what makes him human. There's an interesting yeah. parallel um, between Weebay and Daniels, because Daniels is, of course, the lieutenant in charge of this unit, and he's all business. He's just like, here's the way we're going to do things, and he gets mad at McNulty when he's not loyal, trying to go over his God head damn and stuff. damn it, McNulty. Yeah, but he's not he's not a pushover. He's not a punk. He's he's good police. He's trying to do things the right way and he's trying to navigate this world of politics and juking the stats. And what he really wants to see is cases get prosecuted and crime go down for real. And Weebay is kind of a foot soldier who also believes in the system that he's in. Um, and they kind of both get pushed away, um, which we can talk about later. Yeah, I was going to say as well, I think we should talk a little bit about the introduction of Omar. Oh, yeah, totally. In, in Omar coming, yo. Yeah, because Omar is probably my favorite character in the show. He's I everybody's favorite Apart from character. Bubbles, I love Bubbles as Bubbles well. is great too, yeah. Such a brilliant character, Bubbles. Yeah. Um, but Omar, just he's just such a man on his own, isn't mm-hmm. he? He just does his thing. Yeah. yeah. And I just love that. You know, he's just like, I'm just taking your stash. Again, based on a real person. Based on a real person. I think the part where he testifies in maybe season three or four is is a great moment because he makes clear that he's just like Levy, uh, except that, you know, he robs people with a shotgun and other people use a briefcase. Um, And I think he's like the Robin Hood. Yeah, he is a Robin Hood. And that's exactly why we love him is because we see these people doing this dirt, selling this stuff. We see who it affects in the form of bubbles. And we and we get to cheer for Omar because he's taking stuff from people. It, what does he say? Money doesn't have owners, just spenders. I don't know if that's him or not, but it's such a yeah. Great that's line. him when, yeah, when he's robbing uh, Marlo. Marlo. Yeah, that's yeah, what he's yeah, saying. The, yeah. the poker game, that is absolutely. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Lester Freeman uh, has a great line where he says, uh, "Here, wait. I have the sound clip queued up. I can just play it for real. Where is it? Here we go. Oh no, wait. That's not it. That's a different one." I guess I don't have it, the sound clip. Anyway, yeah, I was going to kind of just say about Lester when he's introduced as well, which which I thought was just brilliant, is that they don't care that he's getting paid to carve wooden oh, yeah. dollhouse. Uh, Louis Cator's dollhouse yeah, miniatures. Yeah, like these really fancy, very expensive. Yeah. And McNulty's like looking at him and like throwing him down. And then I don't remember who it is that says it, but he's like, dude, yeah, he makes right. more off oh. of that in one week than you make all yeah. year. So. He's like, how much is it? Like, I think it's... Um, the prostitute, isn't it? The lap dancer, and she yeah, comes yeah, in. Yeah. And she's like, "How much is this?" And he's like, right. eh, "I don't know, six hundred dollars or yeah, something, isn't it, yeah. for one little piece of right. furniture?" And she's like, so, so what? Lester's the Lester's the one who says, "You follow drugs, you get drug a- drug addicts and drug dealers. But if you follow the money, you don't know where the fuck it's going to lead." And that's again, yeah, I'm no, really it in- very evident. Yeah, but it but it goes everywhere, right? And it's it's so interesting to see the way that which what seems like a local problem, right? Because we do like to think about drugs and crime as local problems, you know, poor part of town, the ghetto, the barrio, the, you know, the hood, whatever. That's just where it's concentrated. But the effects of the drugs, people using the drugs are all over town. And it's it's a system-wide concern and that's where that's where you go when you follow the money and i think that's one of those prophetic lines from lester 
I, I yeah, I liked I liked the introduction of Lester because it's it's a slow burn again. It's just some old guy yeah. whittling. Our whittles, what I see, <laughs> and and they all come um, true so far. <laughs> yeah, sometimes our whittles the future, <laughs> and I was like, this obviously this is gonna develop to something yeah. and he and, and i think i think it's mcnulty or daniels or someone moan about oh you've given me like two good police and yeah. then a, a bunch of like duds basically right and um and i think lester's one of the duds and then he gets the only the first time we see him the first time we like really sort of see him do anything is he gets avon's picture yeah, you, yeah. you got those two older guys mm-hmm. that spend all day at some sort of office somewhere trying to look for yeah. Avon Barksdale and, and then it comes up with a completely different guy. Yeah, I, yeah. Love, I love the fact as well that Avon is literally the invisible man. Nobody oh, totally. knows what he looks like. Nobody knows who he yeah, is. Because he he's careful. Like really, right. really good and job again, go- of keeping undercover. Going back to that first episode, when he's taking D'Angelo home from prison, he's like, What's the first rule? They get out of the car. He's like, don't talk in the car. He's like, that's right. Like, it's very, they got a way of doing things that has worked because it's kept Avon invisible. Yeah. And, and, and it's a show where, you know, after, quite often these shows depict gangsters as, as, as idiots or yeah. kind of like mindless thugs and yeah. cops as like these be all, like no or be all sort of, right, kind, right. of kind of characters. Or inverted. But like these, these gangsters are smart and smarter than. A lot of the well, way more ahead than the police. Yeah, They're way ahead well, of it's them. Cat and mouse. Pre- it's... Pretty much most of the show. Yeah, yeah, totally. And the cops are trying to catch up and figure out how they're doing things. And the cops aren't stupid; like they're not buffoons, no. right? But no. there are duds in the unit. The two, one guy is talking about how you can get out of doing work by throwing yourself down the stairs, and the guy's like yeah. trying to summon up the courage to do it, and he ultimately decides he doesn't want to. But you know, yeah, they're just trying to do the nine to five job and go home. And then McNulty, it's just taking over his whole life. And it's all about sort of finding that balance. Um, I love when they have the basketball game between the two gangs. That's right, yeah. Joe's like East and West. It's, it's fucking it? 95 degrees out here, man. You look in yeah. here like you're some coach in a suit. And he says, hey, motherfucker, look the part, be the part. I love that line because when I go to school dressed in a certain tie, I feel like prop Joe some days because it's really hot or, you know, I'm jumping around the room all active. But, you know, I do think that the Halloween costume, you know, they say you give someone a mask, they'll show you their true face. And, uh, yeah, I just love that line from prop Joe. Yeah, I like prop Joe as well. I mean, the, the weird thing is, and I said this to Kay at the end, these people are shitty. I mean, some of the stuff they do is shitty, but, for some reason, you just kind of like them, you know. Oh, they're yeah. they're likable characters, characters like Snoop, oh, who's yeah. a complete sociopath, but for whatever <laughs> reason, she's so funny. Oh yeah, she's yeah. very funny, and she's she's an interesting person. Like you don't have to be a good person to be an interesting person, but no. I think this show speaks to the power of having interesting characters because everybody on well, not everybody, but most people on the show are interesting characters. Uh, finishing up season one, um, Orlando is the guy who runs the strip club. Oh, yeah. And, oh, the poor chap. Right. Why do you say poor chap? Because he's brown bread. Uh, no, he's... Um, he I don't know. I, no, I didn't say poor... I said poor chap because he died, really. I don't yeah. really I don't really care about him. But he uh, he just... I don't know. He just tried to step up, didn't he? I, yeah. I think he, he he's one of these characters that comes up now and again. I'm watching Narcos at the moment, so it's yeah. happened quite a few times in that as well, where it's like, if you just, if you just kept to your... 
to your hole. Do you know what right, I mean? If you right, just right, ca- right. if you just carried on right. doing what you were told to do, yeah, yeah, yeah. life would have been so much better oh, for yeah, you. Oh yeah, totally. But that's the thing is that like he feels stifled by it. He feels constrained and he wants something bigger. He sees people moving all sorts of stuff through his establishment and he's sick of just being the small fish. He wants so a bite he... of the pie, mom. Yeah. yeah. And that's what causes him to go down. Greed. He just gets greedy. Right. But I don't even know if it's, hang on a second, I don't know if it's greed necessarily I, as much as I think mm. it's him wanting a name for himself, which is ironic because it's his name on the establishment. I, I don't yeah. know if it's necessarily greed so much as it is uh, wanting well, himself ego. to, it is his ego. ego. It is, yeah, it's ego. his it, pride. He wants to have yeah. something to call his own. And, and there is greed yeah. there too. I just don't think it's only greed. Yeah. But let's talk about Wallace. Wallace. Poor Wallace. Poor Wallace. Because you know, Wallace, he was so close to getting out, man. He was so, so right. close. And he's, it, and he you know, it's the city that calls him back, right? Yeah, we see him at his grandma's it. and he's just sick of it. Bold. But he also Bold. doesn't want to be a shoot 'em up body dropper. Like, that's no. not who he, he is because he's... He was- dead bold well and he's but he's also messed up when he's talking to d'angelo after the murder he's like it messes with me you know like he's he's affected by the violence now a lot of people who have been through this life will say that that happens early on and this is true about people who go to fight in wars too right but you get over it you have to get over it right like you push it down and you say this is what i'm here to do and then you rise above it and then you can do the job but Wallace, you know, his humanity won't leave him alone, which is beautiful. Yeah, I think it's, in- it's interesting about D'Angelo, and I forgot to mention this. But one of the things that I think struck me is his turning point is really early on in The Wire because yeah. his turning point is really when they kill the witness and oh, yeah. he like, has nothing to do with it and he sees that and he thinks... He, he they beat rap. the rap. There's no reason for him to kill yeah. the witness. Yeah. It's just because the people and have think, to know if you speak up, this happens yeah. to you. It doesn't matter yeah, what the I outcome. I think that's is. the turning point for oh, yeah. for D'Angelo. Oh, yeah. That's when he sort of goes, "I don't think I want to do this stuff right. anymore." Right. And he and he says at one point, I think I wish I could find the sound clip, but he says something like, "Why can't we just sell the product?" And then move on. Why do we have to get into all this killing and 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 it's a smart perspective, right? Like there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. Um, he also talks about the people who invented the McNuggets, right? They had that great conversation about <laughs> yeah. the guy who invented the McNugget. He's like, he's in, some, he's in some office somewhere. They're just telling him to make the next uh, big idea. You don't get crazy pages because you have an idea. Um, but yeah, he let's, also has- talk, let's talk about Bodie and Stringer because Stringer comes to Bodie and he goes, look, it's time you man up. You know, you're going to right. do this job for me. Right. And Bodhi is a soldier, like through and through. That's who he is. He's a soldier. Yeah, he dies like a soldier. He dies well. like a soldier. Exactly. He because he's, he, he's, he's told this is how the system works. And D'Angelo yeah. is told this too, right? His, I guess it's his sister that comes to see him. And she's like, it's, you, it's his mom. Is that his mom? Yeah, it's his mom. That is his mom. That's right. his mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one with the mole, the right. one with the mole on her chin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and she's like, you're right. Person. She's like, this is the way it works. You, you're good to us. We'll be good to you. And of course, he learns that that's not the way it works. But that's the way the institution sells itself: is that you have to be loyal, and good things will happen to you. And the same exact thing is told to the cops. Yeah. Bunny Colvin is told, if you're good to us, we'll be good to you. And he has this pension that's supposed to take care of him, and then it gets taken away because he does Hamsterdam. Yeah, it's kind of like, do what you're told and you'll be fine. Don't right. do what you're told and 
you don't got shit on. Right. And for some people, they do what they're told. Things work out. Other people, they go rogue and they can turn out okay. It's very rare. But for a lot of people, it's like you do what you're told and you get shit on anyway. And it's like, well, now what? I wish I had my integrity and got fired or whatever. And and so many people don't. But yeah, that that scene, man, where he shoots Wallace is just horrible. Oh yeah, it's absolutely he, devastating. He goes up the stairs thinking, is it is is it actually his brothers and sisters? I can't remember if it's family or just like kids he looks after. The or people, whatever. yeah, it's, I think it's just random blood, kids but, in the neighborhood. But, though, oh like, my god, and he thinks yeah. and he's going from room to room, and it's almost like the Goodfellas moment, you know, when he walks onto the onto the crinkly plastic. Oh yeah. You, you know what's coming, you know, mm-hmm. you know, there's nobody there to save him. And he's, there's only one reason he's up in that sort of room at the and, end. And D'Angelo and knows begging, what he has to do, but he doesn't oh. like it. And Bodhi knows what he has to do. And he, he doesn't necessarily Just like it. Bodhi sees D'Angelo as weak in that moment. And so Bodhi's willing to do what he needs to do. Um, yeah, it's all very messed up. And then, of course, Greg's uh, get Horrible. shot. And I didn't I just learned this today. She was supposed to die. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. David well, Simon. Well, she could have easily done that. I mean, they brought oh, yeah. us back over scene season two, but she could have easily died. Right. Uh, the uh, One of the ex- executive producers convinced David Simon to bring her back. And, of course, she has a very interesting story arc of her own over the course of the five seasons, which I think is With the kids. With the kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And she's played by Sonia Sohn, who's a great actor. She's a poet. She's in a movie called Slam. Uh, I really like Griggs as a character, and I really like Sonia Sohn as an actor, so... Shout oh, out like, to uh, com- she didn't have to whack though when she was putting the IKEA furniture together. That was that's all just <laughs> really... although when you've half built it, you don't then destroy it. Well, but that no. mirrors well. McNulty when he's getting his kids for the night and he's trying to build the bed. So there's an interesting uh, parallel between them because Greg's watches her relationship crumble the same way McNulty. Oh well, yeah, she's did. turning into a McNulty. Oh, yeah, yeah totally. us. Both of them hooking yeah. up with women randomly. Anyway, covering uh, for each oh, other. I mean, yeah, I can't wait to get to the. Uh breaking the brothel part yeah uh Jeez. so that's season right. one anything else about season one i don't think so i mean it, it does a really good job uh similar to the first season of game of thrones really in just setting up the characters yeah yeah you know and, and oh. game of thrones is another series that is so confusing at the beginning and slow to get going sure, but sure. obviously when it does and the other it, thing it does well right the other thing at the end of season one is that the the police brass are demanding action they want to see drugs on the table right and so they're they don't have their case ready but they're still being forced to go and do the raids because you know they want revenge they want to see someone be punished for kima getting shot and they get avon barksdale they get him. avon barksdale sort of but they know it's nothing like what they should be getting him for and he doesn't get nearly the sentence that he ought no. to be getting so and d'angelo takes the rap kind of thing yeah yeah he's exactly the one who gets the big sentence exactly all right so here's a little bit of the theme that uh, is used for season two when you walk through the garden you gotta watch your back Well, I beg your pardon Walk the straight and narrow track If you walk with Jesus He's gonna save your soul You gotta keep the devil Way down in the hole so that's um that, that's my favorite theme. That's by the Tom Waits. Way. Yeah, I kind of like it. Yeah. That's I think the original version because he wrote the song. Tom Waits is the original. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then the one in the first season, the Blind Boys of Alabama, is a cover, and then the other ones we'll hear later are also covers. Yeah. Um, so just the general thoughts about this season. Okay, so 
you've just about got to know the characters in the show. <laughs> And they go, fuck that shit, man. Let, <laughs> let's introduce a load more different characters that you suddenly have to get to know. That's true. Yeah. Like, what is happening? That's, yeah. that's my problem, because my brother-in-law, Simeon, he, he's, yeah. him and I have got very similar tastes and things, and he's, he watched The Wire a long time ago, and he he, uh, he says, what my advice with The Wire is to pay attention to names. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I was doing. And I was like, I just learned all these names, <laughs> and now I've got to learn more names. Yeah. And um, But what I... um. I think what I liked about it was that one one moment that I liked about it was that the police didn't find out that Avon was released until someone just randomly yeah. spotted him. Right. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. you'd never that you never get that in a show. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, they totally. they tell him in an office or something like that, and go, did you did you you know it's in the news? And I was like, today. no, somebody just yeah, yeah. spotted him. Right. And they have the yeah. whole scene where they're chasing him around, and he's just giving them the finger wag. Uh, yeah, to the home. to the to the shaft theme, which yeah, is very yeah, funny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, the 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 beef the on the docks starts the with Sabatka, oh, yeah. who's in charge of the union, and Valchek, this chief of police. It starts no, with a bloody window. It does. Oh and yeah, it's, it's, it's all yeah. about the window. And again, the whole like, series is set up with a window. And again, it's all I feel because like... that guy hates. It's a buck there, isn't it? got a right. bloody window, man. I was just right. like, Jesus Christ. And again, it's sort of like Orlando's problem, which is how do you make a name for yourself? How do you establish yourself as having a really important identity? And this is a pissing contest that's all about ego for these two guys. Yeah. And it takes the form of the window in the church. <laughs> and the, the priest is so slick because he's like, you know, there are other ways to support the church and this and There's that. other yeah. windows. Yeah, right, exactly. And he's like, I want that window. I want that window. I don't so care good. about the other windows. That's but he's right. Window. That, 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 that cop, though, he's right in the... Like, I know he, it's just a window, but he, he, he does play the correct card of like... That seems a bit odd that that union can pay for that much money. Oh yeah, maybe totally. we should look into that. So that is, but he only does it because of this pure yeah, hatred. He but he's, he doesn't care that something corrupt's going on. He only cares because he got the window. Right. No, but he's but he is correct to ju- to, to 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 question yeah, yeah. why they yeah, can yeah, afford that window. And he that's is. the interesting thing. He don't care about that. Right. The question is like, yeah, is somebody's actions the only thing that matters, or is their intent important? Um, yeah, it's quite interesting because my personal feeling on this is if if the window hadn't happened and he'd spent money on something else that he was aware of, he wouldn't have cared. He only cared oh, yeah. because it was the window. Right, right. And, and so well, yeah. he won-upped him. He won-upped right. him on the window. Well, and speaking of people caring, you know, the whole supposed focus of the season is these women who have died in this shipping container um, nobody really cares yeah. about them, right? It's it's written off. I mean, the whole just first three episodes or so, maybe not three episodes, but there's a big part of the first beginning of the season where the two jurisdictions are like praying and scheming to put the bodies on one side or yeah, another yeah, of this line. As long as they haven't got to deal with them. Right, because it's going to affect their numbers. And I think it really, yeah. again, it speaks to the way these institutions work and the way that people in them get so jaded. So that it's just like, yeah. I want my numbers to go up. You know, and I see this in education. We see it in government. We see it everywhere. It's all about the yeah, appearance of everything reality. Is, everything's a spreadsheet. That's all these things yeah, are. They're just a number right, on a spreadsheet right. that they I think that, go down or up. Yeah. That's what, that's, if it was a couple of murders, like that, it, maybe that point wouldn't get be, wouldn't be so obvious. But I think because it is a, is it, it's 13 women oh, yeah. Yeah, that get murdered. Well, right. And we people see it. In the container and one in the it really, yeah, it's right. 30, 30 people died. Well, do, do you want to see hairs now? Do you want to do that now? Let's do 
river first. Right. Fish one out of the river. So, but but like the point is, is because it's such a large amount of bodies, they they absolutely like pass them around. They do. And, and that emphasizes the point of like, man, this is not a show like others because they just they just don't they're not looking at the death, they're just yeah. looking no, no, at no. The, the number. And what's right. also really funny, and it's funny because like McNulty just wants to fuck Rawls over, so he's doing yeah. everything he can in his power to make sure Rawls ends up carrying these bodies. You know, he's he's looking at the river, he's looking at where the tides are. But he also cares. Do. I mean, McNulty does he care does about care, yeah. victims. He does to an extent, but he's also Fucking with Rawls. Oh, he that's is fucking with Rawls. It's, it's, I think no that's, a, that's, a, that's a that's a look at that's a, like a nice little DVD bonus yeah, that he's right, getting right, there. Right. Like, I, yeah. I don't think he's. It's an addition. I think thing. he wants to know, but the, the, I like I like that McNulty got drawn in to good police. Yeah. Even though you know he was punished and he he just did it anyway. Right. Um, he's not going really to turn a blind eye to also we shouldn't forget about Beady. right i was just going to mention who, Beady russell the female yeah, cop who, on the docks who sort of just does a job does the exact same thing every yeah. day nothing ever yeah. happens and and, and she then, knows she's that there's a certain bodies to deal with right she knows there's a certain amount of crime on the docks right she she's not yeah. stupid she knows that they're taking things here and there and and there's this big argument between nikki and sabaka his uncle about the fact that they boost, you know, a carton of cigarettes or they boost a crate of TVs or whatever. And that's just the way it is. And, and you know, everyone laughs and chuckles at that. But as soon as Nikki wants to do it, or Ziggy especially, like, then it's a big problem, right? So it's the it's the older yeah. generation tisk-tisking the younger generation for doing pretty much the same thing that they did. Yeah. Um, Ziggy, Ziggy's I, I one of my favorite. Ziggy's Ziggy. one of my favorite characters. And I, and I think again, season. there's a parallel here between Ziggy and Orlando because what does Ziggy want? Ziggy wants an identity. He's always getting tormented, right? He's constantly getting abused and harassed. They put him up on top of the crates at one point. That's right. Well, <laughs> let him down. So embarrassing. Yeah. But he, he's not like he doesn't deserve it, right? He's so annoying. <laughs> but yeah. but let's also say about Ziggy, he's got balls, man. He will. He's like the little terrier that will fight and I'll say. Yeah, but he's. So stupid. He doesn't know when to use win. Say what you want about Michael. Michael will do it anyway. Michael knows when to use his street cred. Ziggy's got some street cred, but he doesn't know when to use it. He just thinks But he's wild though. He's wild. wild, You know, if he was a snooker player. Because he would be Roddy (laughs) O'Sullivan. I just wanted to bring snooker into it. Every now and again he'd do all right. Yeah. I just wanted Snooker to be involved with the wire talk. <laughs> no, this is the first time in human history anybody has connected Snooker and the wire. Compared the wire to Snooker. Yeah. That's um, true. But but Ziggy is a fascinating character. I think because he's desperate, because he brings his fucking duck into the bar, because he's Yeah, spends... well he knows his day's coming, doesn't he? He knows that like one day I'm gonna be yeah. I'm gonna do something that's and, gonna impress oh, yeah. everybody, and, but he just can't earn it right. yet. He knows he's got a big penis, and he gets like any opportunity, he will flop that thing out, won't he? Well, you would. <laughs> that's that's his claim to fame. Look at the yeah. size of my junk. And he gets punked <laughs> well, so hard yeah. for trying to be a dealer. He gets surrounded. You know, Cheese, of course, is another great character played by Method Man from the Wu Tang yeah. Clan. Um, and you know, they take his car and they set it on fire. Uh, and Nikki, Nikki knows what he's doing, right? Nikki is this, the level-headed guy who's just trying to get a decent place for him and his girl. Um, but, you know, hey, is his dad is a, is his dad that's a cop? His dad... And he finds is, the stash, yeah. and he's, like, so furious. But he doesn't turn yeah, him he's... in, right? He's like, you know, 
Yeah. Yeah. He's, he just wants his son to do better, but he also knows that his son doesn't have a lot of options. And as I've said before, this, I think is the most important thing about this season. Cause the Greek at one point says they used to make steel there. Right. And it's all about, you know, people living in a different part of town that is also being crushed by the post-industrial collapse. When things get hectic, what are you going to do when you don't have any money? Right. This is at the heart of the full Monty as well. Um, Sheffield was it in that movie? Yeah, Sheffield yeah, Steel. Yeah. So, you know, it's this it's yeah. this panorama of different groups of people trying to figure out what to do when the 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 American dream quote can unquote I, is I no also longer accessible. Say, that's probably the first time the Y has ever been compared to the full Monty. <laughs> well, <laughs> to be fair, yeah, and I, you know, it's a meaningful uh, true though, there. a good parallel. It is yeah. a similar sound. I think Snooker's a bigger stretch, and also <laughs> Snooker is connected to Sheffield, yeah, because that's where the Crucible is. Right there, you go. It's all come full circle. <laughs> the, the the biggest complaint that people have about season two, and I there's nothing to be said about this. It's absolutely true. It spends a lot of time with the way that the shipping computer system works, <laughs> yeah. which is boring as fuck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who cares? I think, that's how crack it, though, isn't it? That's me, right, me and exactly Tara, important. Right. Me and Tara, there's, there's a scene where they have a laptop, yeah. all right? Yeah. In, in, I don't, it might be two. I think it's two. They have a laptop in that shitty little office, police yeah. office they have. Yeah. And it's like, listen, we can we can connect to the system with this. And we started just going, wow, this laptop's got a battery on it and it can power without a plug, you know. Oh, yeah. and, and and there's so much of that I stuff. Love, yeah, I totally. love the the when he has the camera with the obviously the SD card and oh, whatever's yeah. in it at that point. Yeah. And he goes, where do you put the film? He's like, you don't need no right, film in right, this. Right. You know, this is takes pictures on a card. Right. Well, and like, it was you know, signs of the time. Yeah, that was a big deal yeah. at the time. Like um, now he's like, what's it? What? What? Right. But it, but yeah. yeah. If the first season was focused on getting this wiretap and breaking the code for the pagers, then yeah, you know, it makes sense that they'd spend a little time on the systems of tracking and how things get ignored and a container just vanishes or whatever. But but they spend a long time with it, and it's like this you is see, one of I those cases. I quite where... like season two because it's the only one that has like a proper plot line because the whole plot is the. Obviously, the missing girls or the girls that end up dead in the container and what happened to them and who did he, you know. And it is focused in that way. There's no doubt about plot. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree with that. A real plot. I think season two it's gets a bad one. rap. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, though. I went looking. The Metacritic score for season one was 79%. People didn't really get it in some cases. I mean, you know, 79% is not bad, right? It's it, it got a lot of critical acclaim because of the things it did well. But... Uh, you know, it didn't get a lot of Nielsen ratings season one. People were kind of confused by a lot of the jargon that's used. It's hard to tell who's who at first. It is a confusing season. Uh, season two actually is at 95% on Metacritic, which when you hear fans of the show talk about how much they hate season two, I thought that was very interesting that critics gave it a 95%. You know who hated season two? Uh, Hannibal Burris, I think. No, uh, Michael, I forgot his name, but the chap who plays Omar. Oh, really? Yeah, he said he hated season two. Yeah, but he's and he hardly said, in it. No, well, it's not because of that. He just he said he, he just took, because it took away from, he's like, oh, all these white characters in here. And yeah, da, da, da. I, did, I and did then see he, that. He, he later uh, admitted that he, he was too naive yeah, to yeah. see the bigger right, picture right, right, of everything, right, right. And, and he didn't yeah. really realize what he, he was saying. He came to admire but, the, the change of that, there. But... David Simon says, that the anger that you feel just 
do that on screen. Yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> That's what he said too. Well, and it's a fair point about the fact that you you know once the show starts getting successful, we do shift it to a white part of town. But we're not totally leaving away the other characters in West Baltimore because, of course, we meet Brother Muzone in season two, who's an awesome character. Um, talking about the most not dangerous... enough of him is seen. I don't. Oh think no, Brother absolutely Muzone. not. We we get far too little of Brother Muzone. I think you could have a whole show about Brother Muzone because he's he's yeah, a fascinating character. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, eventually there is some justice for these women. Jimmy McNulty has to serve as a cop undercover, you know, uh, John trying to get, you know, sex workers with him. And, and of course they, they raid as soon as he's in bed. Uh, and he's a little bit after a little bit after. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, and Kima of course is sharing with, uh, McNulty another moment of parallel there where she's like, you know, these are some good looking women. And he's like, okay. Um, yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah. Mm. Anything else about season two? I think season two, season two is definitely, it's very drastic. Uh, you know, when you, when I started watching season two and I was like, I, you know, and, and remember I'm watching this going, this is the best show ever made. <laughs> right. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. And then we're, we're talking about docs and yeah. all these yeah, new cool. characters. And you I'm like, I, I don't see what's I, going on i think that had to happen though because it shows you where the drugs are coming it does in. show you i, I know that the other but like thing about it. i didn't see that straight away i was just yeah. kind of like i don't know and what's also, going on Sabotka like is another character who thinks he's doing the right thing by his men you know and trying to make sure that they get paid right and that they have right and he and he is trying and, to do the right thing for his men he is it's not and just right up until the end until they know he's what he's done right and the greeks waiting for right, him right. and it's like, and, and you you know what's about to happen and it's so painful yeah, that that dramatic irony because I'm so sorry for Sabotka, oh yeah absolutely because he's caught again in a system that doesn't care about him he played by the rules um, and you know, this is the larger question of capitalism because the idea was if the, you know, dock workers work hard, then the system of economic, uh, bounty will benefit the workers. And it doesn't as soon as the companies have ways of moving their shipments and it's automation is a part of it. We see them at that, you know, trade yeah. show where they're talking about the robot yeah. arm that can move everything. Um, yeah. yeah, he's suddenly left with very few options, and he thinks and also, he, can... he, he gets he just keeps getting a load of empty promises, doesn't oh, he? Oh, yeah, and his son's and a total Val, fuck up. Valchek is gonna get him, whatever yeah. happens, you and know, he, he wants to and he wants to save Ziggy from a fate that Ziggy has already resigned himself yeah. to. Oh, god, we never talk about Ziggy going well, in and just shooting everybody. Yeah. Well, yeah. what is wow. there to say? I know, but flipping silly egg. boy, yeah. I mean, just like. Oh, I felt like cr- as soon as it I'm happened, doing. I said to myself, you know what? It makes perfect sense that he did that. But in the same yeah. way, I, I never saw it coming. No. He was always a ticking time bomb, wasn't he? Z? Well, yeah. I think he and was that... a series of exploding time bombs. Like he's been going off. It's not like he's yeah. been holding back. No, I know. I think, I know. I think like, you know, him taking a duck into the bar and stuff like that, or him like stealing a car. I'm like, yeah, yeah you know, I, I get like, he's, he's doing silly things here, but yeah. like, it did feel like he was going to do something really stupid. Well, that's the thing and is that he, what I liked about how that played out was that, a lot of time was spent with him afterwards in the car oh, of yeah. how, because oh, yeah. you don't want to hate Ziggy. Right. 
but so it, it it shows him like really, and it, I mean it's it's a testament to how well acted it is as well of how he just really didn't want to do that, right? Uh, but he did right. it anyway, and he knows, well, and, he, and he accepts his fate. He just walks yeah. in oh, and yeah. just admits it, doesn't he? Oh, totally. He sees red. He goes off on one, and then oh, he's yeah. like, "Shit, what did I just do?" And again, like <laughs> yeah. he's he's seeing people around him do well with this thieving. The guy who runs that little tech store is doing well, and he gets shafted on these cars. And he's, there's nothing he can do about it, right? He's kind of like Stringer in that regard and that he got scammed. And once you get scammed, you can't get your money back from the Nigerian prince, right? There's no going back on, you know, Jack Abramoff and being like, okay, I'm mad. You got me, but now you have to give me some of my money back. That's, it's just the way it is. You have to just take your beating and keep going. I think what, was, what was also great about the scene where he shoots him, the guy has no idea that's coming. You know, oh, he yeah. just thinks he can just go, fuck you. Well, and you it's know, the, yeah, right. That's the end of that. See you later, alligator out of here. Because and then, like, the look on his face when he comes in and shoots him is just priceless. Well, and that's what Ziggy's living for in that moment. He's like, I'm going to, if nothing else, I'm going to prove to you that you have to take me seriously. Yeah. And we, yeah. you know, we hear this from people who do horrible things a lot is that, you know, th this notion, again, it's pride, it's ego. It's the idea that you didn't understand who I was, but God damn it, you understand me now, don't you? Uh, and there's that weird scene in Red Dragon where he's like, look, do you see? Do you see? And I think that's what drives people who do a lot of horrible things is that like, I'm going to show you what I'm made of. And I heard an interview with a guy who was, you know, almost about to be a terrorist. He was like treated like a terrorist for so long that he started to think they think I'm a terrorist. I'll show them what a terrorist can do. And Bart Simpson, you know, when he's talking about being the black sheep, I'll show him what a black sheep can do when he steals the computer game from the store. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, totally um, parallel to shooting someone dead. Yeah, there kid. you go. How about totally. that? All right. So here's a little clip from the season three song. This is done by I don't remember who did this one. When you walk through the, car, the Neville Brothers. I have to believe that the people who made The Wire knew what they were doing in the first season. They set up this world. Season two, they kind of shifted their focus over here. It feels like season three is when the meat of the, the three, four, and five feel like one show. You know what I'm saying? They sort of set yeah. it up in season one. Season two is on the docks. And then season three, four, and five is where it all gets woven so beautifully together. Yeah, I think... I think um... If I hadn't known anything about this show, I don't think I would have got to season three. But season three is where I start to, especially the end of it, is where yeah. I start to go, okay, this is now turning into like one of the greatest shows I've ever seen. Yeah. It's really where it finds its feet. It creates just, the most important institutions. Is it, is it season two where D'Angelo gets killed? Yeah, very very yeah, early on, about three episodes that. in. Yeah, we yeah. never mentioned that, did we? Where That's true. Where they do the fake hanging. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Jeez, I felt sorry for D'Angelo because he's another character who's done horrible things, but you kind of like him. Especially when he was in Walking Dead and he got his leg chopped off. And we it's like him funny. because he's, again, trying to do the right thing, you know? Whether yeah. you believe there are people who are essentially evil or not, I think that 
there there is a capacity in humans to change if even just a little and d'angelo proves that he's not i mean he's not giving up he's not becoming a crime fighter or anything but he is saying like look this doesn't interest me and he's re- you know they're reading uh the great gatsby i think and they talk about that whole second chance thing and he wants one he wants to live a different life there is foreshadowing because he's in the library you know yeah. he's straightening himself out That's he's not getting absolutely. involved in anything bad yeah. and, the, and the other thing is he'd already tried to kill him once hadn't he because he yeah. sent the dodgy drugs in right thinking he'd take him and he didn't yeah. and they ended up they they didn't care for the fact that they killed something like seven other prisoners in the in the meantime and that's how avon gets his sentence shortened yep. isn't it yep totally and again it shows that avon has the ability to like find his way through the system and use it in a way that hurts oh. other people but gets him the brass ring but what's, what's interesting i don't think avon had any knowledge of the dodgy drugs he just thought that had happened and took it you know used it to his advantage whereas stringer had obviously organized that to try and get rid of already try and get rid of of d'angelo but obviously fails yeah i don't remember but it's 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 yeah it's I, a, I, i'm pretty sure like ivan didn't even know about the drugs no, he knew nothing about that he, well obviously he knows nothing about the hanging either does he right no right um in season three is where we watch bunny carver the major, I think he's a major captain or something. Um, yeah. And he sets up what becomes known as Hamsterdam, where he Amsterdam. basically legalizes drugs in this four block radius or whatever it is. Um, and we start, the first thing we see from him is him grilling one of his detectives on where are you? Yeah. There's this whole thing about where are you? And the other detectives, yeah. are we talking about? And he's like, you know, the, then he turns to the more experienced guy. He's like, where are you? And he says, I'm in this building. Uh, I'm on this street. Um, I'm facing this direction. And I think it's such an interesting thing to consider the importance of knowing where you are in a physical sense, especially because, you know, as a video game, 21st century, you know, child of technology, I, I, what I'm in Skyrim, like I'm not the real world doesn't matter to me the way it did to farmers in years past or, you know, to a, a beat cop or, or somebody like the, the physical world. I have a very different relationship to it than most humans have in human history, I think. Yeah, mm. no, um, I would agree because it's it's what your your world is, what's the, the proximity of where you can go. Yeah. And, and, and you know, the the little for you know however many blocks make up this city area that they have to police is their world isn't it and they can get to control it which is the other interesting thing right like that all they have to do is really just keep ranks with themselves make sure it doesn't spread and make sure that nobody from outside comes in which they don't do anyway because you're not going to have those kind of spot checks which in a way is a parallel to school because you know i have an administrator come by my classroom maybe twice a year maybe at the most so most of the time I get to close the door and it's like, I can do what I need to do without having to like tap dance for the boss. And that's something that, you know, Bunny manages to do in, in this season. Uh, we also get to know Bodie better in this season. He's one of the yep. street enforcers for the Barksdale organization, along with Slim Charles and uh, some Charles, the guy with the braids. And uh, he's a really interesting character as well. Yeah, Slim. Yeah, I like yeah Slim. Slim. Slim's kind of a bit of a goes where is best for him yeah, yeah exactly. he's, a, he's a he's a he's a above average soldier isn't he he's like he's, yeah. he's like smarter than most but yeah, he just he kind is. of gets the but job he knows, done. He knows yeah. when to move to the next person yeah. you know right. kind of like the bald dude in game of thrones who's like i'm gonna do what's best for the kingdom 
No, he does what's best for himself. He does what's best for himself, but he also, I don't know, he want, he he cares about other people to a certain extent. Not very much, but there is a certain extent, which we'll come to later. Yeah, he, he cares enough to say to Bodhi, like, hey, you know, that's the way yeah. the shit is at the that's moment. The so yeah, exactly. you better do that. Right. Because that's right. what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cuddy is a fascinating character. He comes out of prison having served this sentence for the Barksdales. He was an enforcer. And when he gets also out he from tr- the Walking Dead. Yeah, he tries to get back into the game. He wants to deal. And yeah. the younger dude basically just punks him, takes his package. And again, the question is, what what are you going to do about it, right? And he's he should basically kill the guy. That's but the he, game. But he doesn't. Nope. Didn't want to do it. And the question then is, is he just soft? Because that's certainly how people see him. But I don't think it's fair. Because And somebody says at some point, right? You can't. You don't know what that man's been through. You don't know what he's done. Like, you can't call him weak. It's just that he's carrying his strength in a different way now. Yeah. He's, he, maybe because he just knows where this is going. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he, he, he got caught once and he knows, like, yeah. this is just the same stuff. And maybe it's an age thing. It probably definitely is. Oh, yeah. Um, and he, uh, he's, he just, he's, he's not worth it. I, I, killing you isn't worth it to me. Yeah, you punked yeah. me and I'm mad about that. But I'm not going to give up another 20 years of my life because I hate you. Like that, mm. And I think that's the wisdom that really comes with having been through some stuff is like, you know what? Yeah, you can be mad and want revenge, but the smart person will stop and say, wait a minute. And again, this brings us back to the last of us too. like what what's really going to benefit my life here? And is me killing you going to actually make my life better? Or is that just going to continue this cycle of me being furious at everything and then getting punished more for the things that I do? I can't, I can't get the impression that uh could he could he could he yeah. whatever could the he, chap yeah. from the walking dead who died yeah. um <laughs> he he's kind of like a like an old Bodhi, you know yeah. where that's where i imagine Bodhi was yeah. was gonna go obviously it doesn't that. go that way but yeah. that's you know he's somebody who's really good at, uh, his, at his job yeah he's loyal he's 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 smart than yeah. the most and i kind of felt like if Bodhi went to jail he'd probably come out and do the same thing yeah and of course, Cuddy eventually bobbles around for a while. He's working, uh, doing like yard work. Yeah, exactly. And it, you know, he's he's priming the engine. He's trying to get the mower started. And the guy comes over to him and says, "Like this is this is life, man. You you think life sucks, but this is actually pretty decent. You know, all things considered." And um, it doesn't get any easier. Is it yeah, what he it says? He's like, "It's your back's always going to hurt. Yeah. It doesn't change." Yeah, and totally. That's just the way it is. But and it's of course, honest. Cuddy doesn't want that. What Let me missing? ask you a question because I don't know which I can't remember which season this happens in, but when does it's because Stringer tells Prop Joe to tell Omar that brother Mozone killed these That's boys. Three. Yeah, that is three. It's definitely yeah, three. In yeah. season three when it that is season three because Stringer don't make it to four. That's right. Yeah, because Stringer, but it could have happened in season two. I can't remember if that happens in season two or season three. Well, certainly in in these two seasons is when it all goes down because yeah, because season. Two is when isn't season two where Brother Mozone turns up? Yeah, but yeah, yeah Brother Bowtie, as I call him, yeah, he turns yeah. up in two, and that's kind of <laughs> yeah. when he like Stringer because Stringer kills D in season two, yep. and then that kind of gets because Stringer does, a, Stringer does a deal with Prop Joe so that they can use the towers or whatever to deal in without telling Avon, and then Avon sends him Brother Bowtie to sort it out. 
Yeah. Well, the whole the the the, the death that pisses off Almar is Almar's uh, boyfriend, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Like he and he they, dies. Yeah, what do to him afterwards? But he does yeah. It's not the fact that he killed him. I think Almar wouldn't be so mad if they just killed him. Yeah. They killed him, tortured him, and put him on yeah. a car, right. which yeah. which drives. Michael was it Michael B. Jordan's yeah. character over the over Almost. the edge. Yeah. Um so it's that 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 display, not so much the killing, yeah, but yeah, the display totally. is yeah. what oh, pisses off oh, everybody. Yeah. Absolutely. Stringer, and this is what I love about Stringer Bell as a character, he connives all these situations and makes all this stuff happen, but like nine times out of ten it backfires. Yeah. Because he gets prop joe to tell omar that brother bowtie did it when he clearly didn't do it mm-hmm. yeah and then that all comes back and that's why it ends up in you know his demise at the end of all this but i mean it only happened because omar is smart and because mm-hmm. if omar wasn't as smart as he was yeah he shot brother bowtie all right yeah. whatever his name is and 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 said look um, and also, Brother Bowtie is smart because he didn't kill Omar back or shoot right. him back. Right. They kind of agreed that, like, you were sent and, on an error. That's the thing, right? They want to make sure that they're handling it in the right way. And yeah. a stupid person would just go, You're the person I see that I hate. I'm going to deal with you. Whereas a smart person says, If you were just following orders, I might be mad at you, but I have to real, my real beef is with the person who gave you your orders or who manipulated you into doing this thing. And let's be honest, these, these two characters have both got a code. You know, they both have a moral code. Right. As twisted as that might be. As twisted as that might be, they have a moral code. Well, no, and I don't think it is twisted because that's what is, that's, that's the idea behind Macbeth. That's the idea behind, yeah, yeah, in some they, ways, they're still Hamlet. murdering people or right. shooting them oh, in yeah, the kneecap or whatever. They're well, doing horrible things. The Geneva Conventions are based on the same premise. Yeah, to absolutely. do those horrible things. Right, exactly. And I think that's, you know, anybody ever seen Ghost Dog? Uh, Way of the Samurai. Yeah, Way of the Samurai. It's such a good movie. And it's about exactly that thing. Most samurai movies are about this notion of like, you want to live by a code. You're going to have some constraints on your behavior. If the other team isn't playing that way, you're kind of fucked. And then the question is, are you going... And we talked about this with the the new video game that's out. People are cheating on it, right? Fall Guys or whatever it is. Yeah. The, 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 the idea of playing a game with integrity is one you you mentioned integrity and dignity in Rocket League and people are just going to laugh at you but it's it is an important thing right if you cheat every chance you get you're just a cheater that's who you are and you have to be able to say hey there's this opportunity for me to cheat i'm not going to take it because i want to live my life with integrity let me let me compare this to something um that's very relevant to what you're yes. talking about is it snooker again? snooker is a game <laughs> where you know, I haven't mentioned Snooky yet. When your teammates not, when your opponent's not looking, you just put a ball in the hole, right? Well, Snooker is a very, very sort of one of those games where it's a, it's a gentlemanly sport, yeah. right? That's why it's not popular in America. Right. Bam! <laughs> right, but anyway, um, you're not wrong. No, it's, it's, so, so the, I, I, you know, there's there's lots of clips, and this happens like club level, like amateur level, when I played as well, where. You know, you can accidentally touch a ball like with your hand or something if you're mm. bridging too close to the ball. And the courtesy is that you admit your own mistakes. And it's like, it, because you know, if you don't, somebody will see it right. and you will be branded a cheater forever. Mm. And that has happened 
in like in even the kind of circles that I used to play, is like, oh, him, he cheats, he cheats. Yeah. He, he, yeah. He, I saw him touch the ball. Right. So it's weird. You, you get branded of what you what the you, you got to play the game. You got to you got to. Well, and so I think it, where, I think where that's, do your morals lie? I, I think that's good. Yeah, like your word is your bond, you know. And I think when yeah. that breaks down, and it can break down anywhere, I tell my students this all the time, right? If I see you down the hall talking to your friends, and then you're 30 seconds late to class, and I say, where were you? And you're like, I had to go to the bathroom. I know you're lying, but it's not a big deal. 30 seconds late to class, who cares? But later on, when it really does matter, and you're trying to convince me of something, I know you've lied to me in the past. Like, yeah. these things and, matter. And the other thing to to consider, especially, again, with Stringer Bell, is that he he wants Brother Bowtie out of the picture. Oh, yeah. So he gets Prop Joe to tell him that, you know, tell Omar that Brother Bowtie does so Omar will do the dirty work and get rid of him for him. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, you know, brother Bowtie, I'm going to call him that because that's what Chinny said, <laughs> that's has, has got this moral code. And to an extent, so has Avon, because when he goes to tell Avon what's going down, Avon ultimately tells them where, he's, where Stringer's going to be. Well, and that you could know? be a case of, like, I want Stringer out of the way so I can wage my war. Well, there is that, but I also think he's he knows which... You know, side his bread's buttered on, and Brother Bowtie is a formidable character you don't right. want to mess with. And right. Avon's a soldier. Avon is a warrior. He's a general in a war, yeah. and that's what he's thinking about. And in a war, you don't take one of your lieutenants and try to get rid of them uh, because they're inconvenient or whatever. Yeah. I, what, I what I love is there's, there's a scene is the where they're on the rooftop with Avon and, oh, yeah. and Stringer oh, yeah. on, the, and on the balcony. It's like they both know. Like oh, they, yeah. they, they they both know. It's like oh, you remember when we used to run around, and they know something. Oh, foreshadowing. Yeah. yeah, they they both know something's off with this thing, and and they both are probably thinking that I've got one on him, yeah, but yeah, he probably totally. knows that I do. Right. But he but they the other person doesn't know that they've got one on him, and yeah. and they and who's going to win? Sort of thing. I know it's, that you know. I, I I honestly thought that Avon was going to die very early on on the show. Mm-hmm. I I always thought that Avon was going to die and Stringer was going to prosper because he always seemed like the smarter guy. He didn't like mm-hmm. violence really. Right. Never saw Stringer with a gun. Never really saw him hitting anyone. I don't yeah, think. Yeah. And Avon as the code, I thought the game was got to get him. You know, he hit, he hit on D'Angelo's girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's, that's the only he, thing that he, he uh, that yeah. he that he hit. Um, yeah, and, and you know, with, with that's, these that's photos it, still in the living room, how could you but, do that? <laughs> but ultimately, as well. By the way, I'm, I'm about, I think that's ultimately why you wanted D out of the way. He just wanted to move in on his girlfriend. And that that certainly was one of the elements in the equation. Yeah, yeah. definitely. It's a nice, again, a nice little bonus feature of... Uh, I, I don't think Stringer Bell's short of uh, women. Yeah, no, you know, I, I think... I don't, you know, I mean, he could have me if he wanted interest. He's <laughs> a good-looking like, good man. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, and moving the DJ, right along. by the way, is a good DJ. Yeah. Just to do That's another true. comparison there. Who knows? No one cares about uh, DJ. You were saying? Well, there's also the introduction of Ma- of Carcetti, who is on the city council, and the mayor the voice. Oh, oh, yeah, that little, little, little figure. figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. right. God, exactly. I hate that actor exactly. so much. He's he's, he's good. At, he's good at being a scumbag. Character. He's a great actor, but he's he's so a good scumbag. Yeah. Well, he's not yeah. meant to be a scumbag, is he? I mean, when he starts out, his intentions are good. Everybody's intentions are good, and I think that's what's great about this show. It, it yeah. doesn't matter 
And I, I've said this earlier. It doesn't matter how good your intentions are unless you've got the means to. Well, and and, and the intelligence and the integrity you're, you're screwed, to the integrity to 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 play the game in the big picture, right? Well, it's play... not it's not even integrity, is it? He just hasn't got the funding or the well, support or that... whatever it may be that he needs to push that stuff through in the right. end. Right, right. And there's a great scene where he meets with one of the former mayors, and he says you know so my first day yeah, exactly they put a bowl of shit, shit in front of me ate it. Shit. and then the next guy came in and he got a bowl of shit and i just came what is yeah. it this is the job you just keep eating shit all day you gotta keep it doesn't matter how good your intentions are that's right it's unfortunately right. I, never I, gonna happen in the real I, world i think i forgot the actor's name but it, the the actor he, he is a very good scumbag right actor who, i'm not I, aiden gillard the the the, the little, little finger. finger the little yeah, finger guy. whatever his fucking little name finger. little finger and um he's he plays a good scumbag so he plays a great role in Peaky Blinders and in a Game of Thrones but the problem with the casting of him in The Wire is that he I get the impression that the character does actually give a shit about Baltimore he wants to do good and there are moments where there's a bit where where he kind of brags about who's got it, baby, or something like that, and it's just the like it's just a car crash, and I think well, it is. He, he, it's, and, it's 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 terrible, and I think that he's a person like through and through because he's not a terrible monster who's doing any. He's not Littlefinger just do, manipulating everybody around him in order to get his power. But he, but he is, you know, he may be driven by good things. I do think he wants to help Baltimore, but, but he I may think, not be ready he... to recognize what it requires to, to play the game. And as soon as he has this woman throwing herself at him, he's like, eh, my wife went home. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do think he's I mean, all the characters in The Wire are flawed in some way or another. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether they're doing good or bad. They're all flawed. Yeah. But I think genu- you know, genuinely, he he had a good intentions. You know, he wanted to make Baltimore better and he wanted to do all this stuff. But ultimately, once you're in the game, you, you, you haven't got all that stuff that he thought he was going to be able to do. He, he found that he couldn't, you know, and we find that out in season four when we get onto the school stuff. You yeah, know? yeah, totally. Um, shifting gears a little bit, season three is also where McNulty and Lester have a conversation about what the nature of happiness is. We're good at this, Lester. In this town, we're as good as it gets. Natural police. Fuck yes, natural police. Tell me something, Jimmy. How exactly do you think it all ends? What do you mean? A parade, a golden watch, a shining Jimmy McNulty day moment when you bring in a case so sweet everybody gets together and says, oh, shit, he was right all along. We should have listened to the man. The job will not save you, Jimmy. It won't make you whole. It won't fill your ass up. I don't know. A good case. Ends. They all end. The handcuffs go click and it's over. And the next morning, it's just you in your room with yourself. Until the next case. Boy, you need something outside of this here. Like what? Dollhouse miniatures? Hey, hey, hey. A life. A life, Jimmy. You know what that is? It's the shit that happens while you're waiting for moments that never come. 
Uh, that's that's some yeah. deep stuff going on right there. That's what, well, that sums Jimmy McNulty up, doesn't it? Because yeah. he's he's separated from his first wife because he screwed around. Yeah. And then he gets with Beady, who's lovely. Yeah. You and know, he's happy. And, lovely. And he's lovely, happy in that domestic woman. tranquility. Yeah, and but he, you know, and and we never mentioned this, but in season three or season two, isn't it? Yeah. They they go into a brothel, and he gets a bit too undercover. <laughs> yeah, under the covers. Because he ends up having sex with two prostitutes while yeah. he's meant to be arrested. Well, he's still it's got part of the job, isn't it? He's well, really he's, giving himself well, to his work. Well, McNulty, as soon as that happened, <laughs> I'm just like, oh my God, is there no depths this man won't go to? Well, and, and at some my point hero. we see him with some random woman just like crashed his car, is up against the top of the car and it's like, Damn, have some self-respect, dude. Like, yeah. I love the I love the scene where he's shagging the woman and the police put the light on oh, them. Oh yeah. He just and pulls he out his badge. his badge while oh, yeah. he's mid having sex with her. Of course. And I remember <laughs> the first time I watched on. it. Yeah, I remember the first time I watched it. I'm like, damn, these guys are driving drunk. It's so unsafe. And he's throwing that bottle onto the train tracks, man. Yeah. It's going to have broken yeah. glass. Someone's going to have to walk over that. Come on, man. And then I get to the part where people are killing each other. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, maybe that's, that's a little the more least serious. of the stuff in this show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Yeah, I think that's most well, totally of totally season... self-destructive character. I mean, that guy... You know, if stuff hadn't panned out, as it would eventually have just killed himself, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, maybe. It's possible. One way or another. Hard to say. Um, of course, season three does mostly focus on Hamsterdam. It's, I think it does a great job of showing the negative things that happen because he doesn't do it right at first, right? And the preacher dude is like, yeah. you, you wanted to make a heaven and you've turned it into hell. And like they talk, about, they show bodies in the in the And that know, poor buildings. woman who's still oh, living there. Yeah. And the, the, you know, the guys are robbing people and they're just duct taping them, putting them in the house. Um, it's, it's a messed up situation for a while, but eventually he works it out and he, he gets, you know, and Carver's working on the dealers and like, look, these kids used to run lookout for you and now they have nothing to do. Why don't you pay them, you know, a little something, something. But of course the dealers are just like, whatever, we don't need them. They're capitalists of the purest order because they're just trying to get return on their profit. And if they don't need to pay the kids to look out the hell with them. And that leaves a whole bunch of kids like in the lurch. Yeah. Jobless. Yeah. So we got a gym right. and boxing. We got a gym. And when Royce gym, when Royce finds out about the Hamsterdam experiment, at first he's like, Well, let's just see what happens here. Because the health department is happy about it. You know, they're getting yeah. treatment getting to people. Treatment. Yeah. And, and they don't have these drug testing, cases that they're testing they need. people. Right. And this is what this is what David Simon's talking about. He has a video where he talks with President Obama about the wire and he says, like, you know, you spend so much time going after these nonviolent drug offenses that you don't have time to prosecute the murders and the rapes and the aggravated assaults and stuff because you're so busy working on drug cases. So in a way, some police officers are into it too. Um, it could yeah. be a win-win, but of course, when people find out, they're just outraged and it's just big scandal. Yeah, and, then, and this is when you see the other side of Carver as well because he, you know, he tries to set up the basketball hoop yeah. for the kids and yeah. stuff to... You know, and then he obviously talks. Well, I can't remember the name of the character who who opens the gym. Cutty. You know, who wants to? Who yeah. gets Cutty. Avon? Says, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. "I'll get you a job." Right. Cutty. Cutty. Yeah, all right. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. 
But yeah, and then Carver helps him and says, oh, you know, let's get this gym open, boxing, yeah, totally. and get these kids. Totally. I like the bit where he, he asks for 10 grand, and I was like, ah, yeah, right. you know, why did you just say so? Give him 15. Yeah, yeah, totally. I don't want to, because he has this whole plan about, like, you could be a silver glove champion. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah. And, I, and I think also that scene shows the complete difference between Marlow and Avon. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because Marlow would have just killed him. <laughs> And and like put a nail gun to a board and yeah. got rid of him. Yeah, totally. Whereas whereas everyone's like, no, you want to walk away? That's fine. Here's right. a sort of parting gift. Hang yeah. around, set your gym up. Do totally. you know? Do whatever, man. Totally. There's nothing. And it's and interesting. That also shows how little 10 grand is to him as well a, it is you know, yeah is and nothing. i think it's interesting because right that's how they found the picture of avon back in the day is that they, he was a boxing guy for a while and i think that there may be some you know f- the fact that it was something that he did back in the day that he's willing to fund now because it was good for him mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i like i like avon i've i, I, oh, I like loads <laughs> of these characters to be fair the, the only character i probably didn't like ever out of all, it was probably Stringer Bell. I think. Does that include Marlo? Why do you like Marlo? And Marlo as okay. well. I was going to say, say. and Marlo. I think Marlo I mean... is the the most unrealistic character. He's, yeah. he's the oh, character sure. where we we don't see any crinkle on him. No. Like there's no well, there's no humanity. There's yeah. no humanity. Because like we Stringer Bell, you kind of know his motivations. The only thing you kind of get a Marlo is is he's getting talked to by a guy, and he's saying like the only way this game ends <sighs> is if you go to jail or you die yeah. the only way you wear the crown people who wear yeah. the crown yeah. go to jail and they go to or they die right. and he says but they wear it yeah. that's the only sort of inkling right. that you get like marlo all he cares about is wearing the crown yep. for at least a little little bit and he doesn't he doesn't uh, want to spend money he doesn't want any flashy clothing he doesn't drive a fancy car he's just doing his he thing he's, he's in power my name is my name that's what it matters yeah. to him um yeah. My favorite scene with Cuddy is when he finally gets someone greases some wheels in City Hall because he needs his permits and it's taking forever and he doesn't know how that game is played. So he's just going from one office to another. And then finally someone steps in and takes care of it and he's walking away and he just lifts his fist and he's like, yeah. And it's just such Mm -hmm. a nice moment because finally he catches a break and he can finally open his gym for real. And it's like. Mm-hmm. beautiful and he's thriving by the end of the show he's a he winner is thriving in this by show. The end of the show but he but he has trouble you know working with the kids um and we don't uh, really meet the them until season mums. four that's yeah. what he's doing right yeah which brings <laughs> us to season four let's go ahead and get into that with a little no, bit of the we theme. can't go to season four we haven't talked about stringer dead okay yeah, stringer gets killed what what do you have to say? No, <laughs> man, the biggest part of that season, and you that's know the, the, that's the bit man. where I was, when Stringer died, I was like, oh man, this is where this guy. And then I gotta be he, honest, episode, I felt like it took a while to get there. And when it finally happened, I was like, okay, that makes sense. I yeah, love, I love the fact that he tries to talk his way out of yeah. it. Of course, that's what money, money. I mean, yeah. Bowtie man's like. Pfft. Like no, I give a shit, right. and Omar like he gives a the shit. The ship sailed on that a long time ago. Yeah. The, the 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 cool thing about that episode is like Stringer Bell never knew that he got caught because yeah. he, he like his fate was decided before that anyway. He yeah. was he was he was either going to die or go to jail. Right. Like those two right. things were yeah. already in motion, but he died first. It's of also going to jail. I think I think also what what makes the wire so great is in any other show where there's a huge plate glass window behind someone, they're going through it. Yeah. <laughs> but in this show, no, he just falls on the floor. Down. Well, and it's it's telling that he's caught in one of his own buildings that he's trying to put his money into to go legit. Yeah. And he tries to run upstairs 
thematically important going up in the world, right? But but yeah. he's it's not a finished building. There's nowhere for him no, to go. No, he doesn't know. Well, even up there, probably he's right. probably never been up. Exactly. I think, I think in most shows, like he would have got arrested because they they always like to extend. They're, they're yeah, scared yeah. to to kill off big right. Right. big characters and he, he he looked like he was either going to die or get arrested in that episode and then he died first and i think most this is where the network steps in and goes oh we, we want to keep that idris around <laughs> yeah. he's uh, can we you, uh, can... he's going baby yeah yeah no he's dead yeah. so. it was a brilliant death though i mean as, as oh, yeah. you know i know he shouldn't really well, get on with it brilliant yeah. but it's just such a brilliant scene the way mm -hmm. it all happens mm -hmm. yeah it's, it's great. Just phenomenal and omar is just brilliant in it i agree yeah such a great and also again he, you know comes back to the co omar's code you know because there's a witness potentially there who's seen both of them and then he's just like just go oh yeah the, know, the building contractor you. well and the building contractor is an yeah. interesting guy because of course he may be scamming uh uh stringer we don't know but oh he's but totally it, scamming there's the delays and there's this other fee yeah but he's not in that game he's thing. in a different game isn't yeah he? exactly yeah, he's in and a he's, whole other game right he's but in, yeah he, omar's like off you go he's in clay davis's game like you can't kill sidekick but that's the thing is that like you don't know exactly how that game works unless you have someone on the inside who can lead you through the jungle and he doesn't have anybody like that. He thinks Clay Davis is going to help him out that way. And that and that, again that's where the you know the line you said earlier you know he's not stupid enough to just be a gangster but he's not quite smart enough not to but know, it's not even you're right enough. it's true but it's i don't think it's even about intelligence so much as it is like having a guide right you could if, if stephen hawking went into the amazon you know even without the chair question he wouldn't have a very easy time of it because he doesn't know what it takes to live in that environment right no matter where you go you need to have a guide if you want to thrive in that particular area and it's not just a matter of intelligence so much as it is having an intelligence and an understanding of that particular, you know, system. All right. Yeah, now we can die. we move on to season four? We can. Oh, thank you so much. Okay. We're going to keep you in things. check, Duke. Yeah, I know. Major plot points. Yeah. This is a good version of the theme song. I really like this one. Yeah. It's a group called Domage. Too slow. Shut up. Um, this season, of course, is very close to my heart because this is. I was going to say, can I say? I bet say this it. is Duke's favorite season. <laughs> it's a beat. it's a very important season. It's the one that focuses on education. We see Prez becoming a teacher, and it's it's tough. Not only can I, because can I of... just say right from the outset for me, the opening scene of this season is one of my favorite scenes of the entire show. What is it? If I remember the when opening Snoop scene. goes to get the new nail gun. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. It, what about it's the... just one of the best scenes in the whole. That's a great like... scene because because like it shows how smart Snoop is. Yeah. How yeah. how the whole theme of the whole season is education. So Snoop is absolutely capable of learning and being educated, and she's also. Um, like she doesn't leave a paper trail she's actually quite charming in that scene yeah, she gets yeah. on with the person no problem she pays cash so there's no sort of like thing and and she even sort of then passes on her knowledge and wisdom uh, and solving a problem that they have which is like covering up the doors yeah um and, and passes it on to the other guy which I I love, his name. I it's a really normal name the other Chris. guy Chris, 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 yeah, yeah. it doesn't suit him that name i don't yeah. think i love uh, i love the fact when she just goes um 
when she says to the guy, you know, what's this now? And you can't tell a word she says half the time. And most of the time, I had no clue what she just said. Yeah. But you always knew what she meant. Oh, yeah, totally. So regardless of what she said, you always knew what she was conveying to someone. And when he's talking about this Hilti state-of-the-art gun that does this and the other, you can. it's like this is like the Cadillac of guns, of, yeah, yeah. of nail guns. You know, this yeah. is the creme de la creme of nail guns. And she's yeah. like, yeah. And then, she says to, and then she says to Chris, you know, he meant to say Lexus, but it doesn't matter, you know, because to them, the Lexus is the highest and it's the best you can get. But to this older guy, it was a Cadillac. That was the best, you know, that's the phrase. And, that and even use. even her as a character figuring out who the New York, you know, drug oh, dealers yeah. are by asking them questions about right. that specific radio station. And if they don't know the answer. They're in a boarded up house. Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. And oh, Chris yeah, is an interesting character, ha- too. Chris is very similar, I think, in some ways to Slim Charles. Uh, I love fact, Chris. They I have think a great, he's a great character. Yeah, they have a great moment where they're waiting for their bosses inside. And uh, they're just sort of hanging out. You know, They're just like the drivers who just sort of sit back and have a moment with each other. I don't remember where it is, yeah. but it's a, it's a good moment. Can we also, because we, we've barely touched on Bubbles. We haven't talked about Bubbles. And this is the season when he takes Sherrod under his wing. Yeah, yeah, because the the other the other chap he's dead now, isn't he? Yeah, I think yeah, he died he in season bug. two or three. Yeah, they found yeah. him in one of the the houses in Hampstead. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, deed. And it's you know, Bubbles got told by actual addicts that he did a great job portraying the life of an addict, which of course is easy for people to do badly. A lot of people play drug addicts in a way that's way over the top, but Bubbles brings an unwavering humanity to the role and he just does such and a great job. And he's charming as well, even yeah. as an addict. Yeah. He's, he's like Andre someone you Royo kinda, is the character, you know, the actor's Pushing name. his trolleys around, selling his words. And white sale, white sale, whitey that. sale. Yeah. That yeah. horrible man who constantly yeah. beats him up all the time. Oh, yeah, this, that guy, yeah. And this is when Herc is just the worst. You know, it's it, it is Herc being the worst, but it's it's again, it's not that he's trying to mess with bubbles. It's that Herc isn't making it a priority. And yeah, bubbles isn't on the high. No, no, high. Herc was like, yeah, don't worry, bubbles, just phone I'll me, there. I'll sort yeah. this shit out. Right, and right, then like when he right. does need him, he's yeah. he's not there. And neither's Kima either. Kima right. says the same stuff right. to him. Right. Well, Herc, right. Herc is a bit of a fuck up for the whole show. Oh, really. he is. He's probably the worst police officer in the whole <laughs> he's show. He's terrible. terrible. And it yeah. takes you a while for him to for you to learn that he's not good police. Yeah. I mean, at first you kind of Terrible. think he's he's all right, he's not too bad, yeah. and then stupid, after a while, he's like, oh, a lot of his yeah. decisions lead nowhere, yeah, or totally. he's not very good. I'll lead to bad stuff happening. Yeah. yeah, the only thing he does pretty well is that he he actually gives uh, Marlow's number in the end. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, um, but I thought what was really interesting that he was a corrupt police officer and then ends up working for a corrupt lawyer. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he's like, that's just perfect. It's a good it's just fit a for him. Yeah, role for him. He has a job as a corrupt mayor's guard for a while and tries to blackmail oh, yeah. him. And then he catches the mayor yeah. Yeah, he doing does. it. Yeah, he does. <laughs> and that's then like, so what funny. should you do? Don't say anything and what'll happen? Oh, you'll get promoted. <laughs> yeah, it's like, this is the best thing to ever happen to you. <laughs> this is the like... best thing that could happen to you. Just have the... to stay quiet. Yeah, the mayor's like, hmm, where, where are you looking to go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah you... I think a year's a bit too long for this. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's make your sergeant in like I don't know a week. Right. <laughs> so Presbo is a teacher, and there's a lot of great scenes about him 
It's trying to, you know, the woman, he has this mentor teacher. I don't remember her name, but she said she, she's the one who can get the kids to be quiet by walking in the room yeah. and being like, you she's guys, the she's, she's, yeah. she's, awesome. she's a veteran. She's me basically. Uh, she's the veteran who's trying to, and his, she says to him, like your first year is just about surviving. Like that's all you got to do is, and I didn't teach in West Baltimore. I didn't teach in any really economically deprived place my first year, but I had some kids who came from pretty rough backgrounds and you know, they're, they're in every school all over the world i'm sure um and it is it's a it's a unique struggle that first year of teaching and i think this show does a good job of showing that i think i think what what's great about prez though he he goes on his on his knowledge and his background yeah, to get those kids interested because he knows about drugs yeah he knows what most of these kids yeah. are up to when they're not in class right he's and not he stupid utilizes that to learn to teach them maths and exactly stuff, and know? he is this, this, this he's, how you do gambling right and he also brings his understanding of the system of police manipulation of information into the school and that brings us to this sound clip that i have queued up here. i don't get it all this so we score higher on the state tests. If we're teaching the kids the test questions, what is it assessing in them? Nothing. It assesses us. The test scores go up. They can say the schools are improving. The scores stay down. They can't. Juking the stats. Excuse me? Making robberies into larcenies. Making rapes disappear. You juke the stats and majors become colonels. Wherever you go, there you are. And that's something we heard. He heard from someone else, and I can't find the original quote, but we saw this in the way that the police department worked. And it's true in education as well. And I think the thing that breaks my heart the most in both cases is that, you know, McNulty cares about these dead women on the docks. Presbo actually cares about these kids, not just the reputation of the school or the numbers that they can brag about. But he cares about the lives of the children that are coming through his classroom. And that's, of course, what drives me as a teacher. And when we see people playing games with these young minds, it pisses us off because we know that the appearance of success is not the same as actual success. And a lot of times, if you see a student like Duquan doing well in a class, you can't get a number to prove that. You can't say, here's the evidence that Duquan is learning. But you know Duquan is learning and growing and getting better. And then the I think, I think of what's interesting is like every business. I mean, I used to work for a big yeah. business that you know used to set budgets every year, and those budgets were never realistic. You know, right. they always set a budget that was way higher than was you know realistically average. Yeah. yeah. But the reason they do that is because what they really want is probably two thirds of that budget. Yeah. But they know by setting it at an unrealistic level that you'll strive harder and eventually you might get to that figure that they're looking at and the 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 same applies to you know education in this show and obviously the police department they set these numbers that they want to achieve that are completely unrealistic but in this show rather than getting two-thirds of that they manipulate the figures to make it look like they hit the targets you know and in the schools they give the kids the answer to the test questions so that they pass we can see from the example below that (laughs) Yeah, and they have the whole script ready for the kids, and they're just they just write the script down, and then that's it. Yeah. It's just like yeah. they're not learning anything. Um, we also in this season meet these four characters, which are really fascinating individuals. Each of them, Michael is the streetwise individual who says no to the money from Marlowe. Randy is the kid who's dealing candy. 
during lunch. <laughs> I like Randy. Hey, Randy's oh, yeah. awesome. I love Randy. Yeah, Everyone loves Randy. He's, and he's got such a messed up background because he's with this foster parent and oh, yeah. he's living in fear that he's going to be sent back to the group home, which I don't blame him for not wanting to be sent I back to the M&M's, group home. I got M&M's, peanut M&M's, yeah. caramel M&M's, got them all. And Nick. then, and then he goes, guys. He talks present to present to ordering in bulk for. Oh yeah. yeah, oh totally. Because he's smart and and he <laughs> and and Prez, Prez knows. Do you, do you mind if I order this stuff? Yeah, Fuck and you, Prez, Prez knows. Bulk. You know what? Hey, if he's dealing this, he's not dealing drugs. Like shit. Maybe this is a good move for him. Uh, dealing sweet. <laughs> Naaman Bryce is Weebay's son, as we mentioned before. Um, yeah. And then there's Duquan, whose family is oh, all messed up. Duquan. He can't and even. Bryce, keep... let's be honest. Bryce is is kind of a parallel to Wallace. Oh yeah, yeah. Because you know, he does a parallel, right? And he's Naaman, but Naaman even more than Wallace. Like Naaman, just that's not who he is. Like he doesn't have it in him. No. And Wallace, no, I think, was willing. Horrible. Wallace was willing to do what he needed to do. Oh. Naaman, I mean, not to put a too fine a point on it, but Naaman's kind of a punk. Like Naaman is me. I wouldn't last a minute on those streets. And Naaman's the yeah. same way. He wants to play video games. We see him playing Halo at one point, right? He wants yeah, the fresh he does, gear. Yeah. He's the guy who's like, I love the first day of school. Everyone's all polite and shit. But he also yeah. wants to be the man. You know, he's the one who's most disruptive when they're trying to sort him out. Right. But he's a goofball. He's a class clown. He's not a. He's not a hardhead. He's not a thug. He's not like a. He's not really no, a troublemaker. I, I kind of get the impression that he he uh, he wishes he, knows he was he's his not dad. a thug, so he puts on a bigger front. Oh than yeah, he, absolutely. Than he, yeah. Think absolutely. he's a thug, even right. though he isn't. Right. And then when mm. Canard takes his package. Naaman has to step up, right? And he doesn't want to do it. And his mom is like, you get out there and make that money. Oh, his mom. Oh, oh my God. She, she deserves oh. to be in that top three of no redeeming wow. qualities. Yeah, like, like unlikable characters. Yeah, exactly. so, I mean, she's played so well. Like, you need a corner. Get on wow. the call. Yeah, right, exactly. Jesus uh, Christ, um, that woman. Yeah. So... It's it's really a disgrace, but Naaman has a lot of potential, and you know, of course, Michael tries to help Naaman by beating Canard up, and then saying, "Get your package." And Naaman's like, "I don't want it," and he walks away. I don't want it, um, mm. which is a very telling moment. Um, and there's this very interesting process where Bunny Colvin, now that he has to find another job because they messed with his pension after Hamsterdam, um, Bunny Colvin helps with this academic researcher yeah. to have this like separate class. And it's an interesting project. Um, yeah. to I think, think as well, what's great about Bunny is how he uses his past to help Neymar in the end. You know what I mean? He uses, yeah. you know, his connections right, from the exactly. streets. To, and he basically adopts to him. Help yeah. him out. Yeah, yeah, it does. It helps him out. I mean, Neyman's got kind of a really nice story arc, hasn't he? Because he goes from this streetwise punk on the, you know, the corner of a street to someone who finally has some sort of chance in life, you know, to do something. And it's because Weebay says, okay, right? Because his mom is yeah. like, no, I don't want our son to be some punk child. Well, you she know. just wants cash. Exactly. She? She wants and Weebay says, you know what? I want what's best for the kid. And that's a beautiful yeah. moment because, you know, and, and again, like the only thing we can really say about his mom is she was sort of promised by the Barksdale organization that if Weebay took these years, that she'd be taking exactly and they don't they basically cut her off 
And it's kind of messed up because he did all that work. He's the one suffering in prison. And yeah, he's getting, you know, KFC when he wants it and video games in his cell. But he doesn't really have that good a life. And, and meanwhile, his yeah, family's but he's not getting, getting He's not getting of. good video games. He's getting like, <laughs> you know. He has to play the Tsushima. Stanley Parable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Observation. Ghost of Tsushima. You know, <laughs> while, while Ivan next door is playing Last of Us, you know. He is. is. It's exactly. It's true. Um, yeah. Uh, the question about tracking, I think, is an interesting one. Because this is what the whole thing comes down to with this special class. The idea that, you know the thing that bunny says over and over again is that these kids are so disruptive they make it impossible for the regular class to learn and i don't know how much i agree with that but i will say that in a lot of classes there's this anti-tracking orthodoxy tracking is where you separate kids into different classes based on their ability and it's it's verboten it's really the 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 demon of the moment in american education at least the idea that you know kids should be in the same class because then the successful kids will help to pull up the struggling kids that's the theory see that's interesting because in the uk that's not the way it's always been like the thicker kids. Yeah. No, no offense i don't want to sound disrespectful but the thick kids are put with the thick kids and the intelligent ones that's are right. put with the intelligent ones that's how it works it's all they're called sets aren't they? well back yeah. in, when i was set a kid one, they're one to five one. when i were at school yeah so i was in set one for science and maths yeah, and then, but then English I was set to, and then French I was in set three, we and I have to say, if you did all right, the, the 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 kids that were in, basically I spent a whole lesson of French singing Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah, and we, there was no nice. way I could do that in at, my maths and science. At our school, we had a special set called Remedial. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's where all the worst kids were. And they literally did no work. You should just sit at the desk or sit on the tables and do nothing. And and I I, I feel like there is a danger in telling kids, like, you're stupid. You need to be over here so that the smart kids can learn. Because there's nothing fixed and immutable about intelligence, right? It's It's a malleable thing. But I think the biggest danger to the anti-tracking orthodoxy is, again, that you give this appearance of success. We have what's called social promotion, that people get graduated because it's time for them to move on. Um, Not that there's anything... I I don't think it's smart to hold kids back just because they're not getting a thing in terms of like the grade they're in or whatever. But I think that the mistake is that we make it look like the kid is learning and they're really not. And that's mm-hmm. the part that bugs me the most about this anti-tracking orthodoxy is you this think- idea that this kid needs more attention and one-on-one uh, focus and covering some basic concepts. And instead, we're going to throw him into this more advanced discussion about literary themes when he doesn't even understand the notion of like parts of speech or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, what's interesting, you know, just going back to the education in the UK is when I was at school, uh like now they track teachers you know the same as you that you know they get stats and it's how good the school is how good right. the teachers are etc right. etc et right. how many passes they get etc yeah back back in the day when none of that stuff was done we had a maths teacher and at the beginning of the year he would literally stand there and say come to my class don't come to my class right do the right. work right. don't do the work exactly because do you know what i don't care because at the end of the week i'll get paid yeah and totally. that was his attitude to the kids. He didn't care whether you learned or not because he got yeah. paid whatever happened. Right. And that's the shame is that it's it becomes a matter of representation and appearance over reality. And that's all kinds of messed up. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of stuff that goes on in this season. I would love to talk about all of it. I do need to wrap this up in about half an hour. So yeah. I want to keep moving. Yeah, yeah, that's um, go but for there, it, there's the very... Quick, like, 
Go for like a like a bam bam bam. We'll yes, bam bam bam. Major plot points at the the end kids get oh. cut. The girl cuts the other girl in the face. Dookie oh, is yeah. freaked out. He's trying to help, and all he can do, he has his little fan, and he puts it in the girl's face. Um, <laughs> you find out some things about that girl, and it's just devastating. Um, yeah. You also find out about um, some of Duquan's home life stuff, which is plenty miserable. Just he awful, can't, it's awful. clothes. You know, the, the woman gives to the her little assistant uh, student, and it's like, give this to Duquan. Do not give it to his family just do this do that um michael of course uh is trying to get drawn in by the uh marlo's gang and he doesn't really want to but that's where he feels yeah, like Ma- he ought michael to go get snoop to, ki- to kill his stepdad he gets chris to kill his stepdad yeah chris yes yeah. and chris uh, obviously has out. some background issues. with issues molestation or abuse or something yeah exactly um we also have um um uh the other god i wrote his name down where is randy uh gets in trouble and he's gonna get kicked back to the group home if he doesn't help out the administration at school so he rats on his uh, friends who were i it looked consensual that they were having sex in the bathroom but then the girl says that she was assaulted and he says it was whatever basically he snitches and everyone knows he's a snitch so he gets sent back to his group home anyway and then that gets firebombed and it's this horrible affair doesn't he He gets beaten up and he's just oh it's just a miserable situation and he doesn't have any options and that's why he needs herc and carver to help him out and they're not there when he needs them um and it all goes to crap herc he's terrible he's a terrible person yes uh this uh, this season is also the one where bodie and mcnulty sit down and have a conversation and i think this is an interesting enough one doesn't he yeah this is a really interesting conversation so i want to play you some of this in the city silburn arboretum pimico's right up the hill which is nice I ain't no snitch. Didn't say you were. Been doing this a long time. I ain't never said nothing to no cop. I feel old. I've been out there since I was 13. I ain't never fucked up a count, never stole off a package, never did some shit that I wasn't told to do. I've been straight up. But what come back? You think if I get jammed up on some shit, they'd be like, all right, yeah, Bodie been there. Bodie hang tough. We got his pay lawyer. We got a bell. They want me to stand with him, right? Where the fuck are they at when they supposed to be standing by us? I mean, when shit goes bad and it's hell to pay, where they at? This game is rigged, man. We like them little bitches on the chessboard. Pawns. Yo, I'm not snitching on none of my boys. Not my corner. And not no Barksdale people, but what's left of them. But Marlo, this nigga and his kind, man, they, they got to fall. They got to. Well, for that to happen, somebody's got to step up. I do what I got to. I don't give a fuck. Just don't ask me to live on my fucking knees, you know? What can we say about it? Oh. You see, again, Bodie is another character that you end up quite liking, even though he killed yeah. Wally. Yeah. Very early on in the show, he's got his code. You know, he does what he's told. He never mm-hmm. messes up. Like I said, mm-hmm. never steals from the package. Yeah. But this stuff that Marlowe's doing, he just doesn't agree with. You know, he's just like, this is not the right way to do it's, business. It, it, you know? it, right. And it's, it's sort of like when, um, you know, Stringer goes over the top and goes after Omar on a Sunday when he's with his grandma at yeah, church. It's the same thing. It's yeah. like, yeah. because when somebody, somebody messes with the game, 
something's got someone's got to give and there's a set of rules and if you don't play by the rules then you you know like you said with snooker like you're a cheat like that's who you are and marlo is not playing by the rules the way they've been established for a long time by his own rules and we can bring trump into this like everybody thought like the the environment in washington the norms the assumptions like this is the way things work and trump came in and took a big dump on all of those and people were like well now what and it's like well i guess we need to punish him in some way and then the republicans were like well he learned his lesson and, and now we're finding out nope there are no depths to how far he'll go so anyway anyway i think i think the other interesting thing about marlo as a character is he you know he will kill someone over just dissing his name well that's the first thing we see even less than that in the first yeah. moment we see marlo i don't remember who it is but i think it might have been bubbles like he messed he hit someone's car maybe with his yeah, cart his and then the guy's scene. about to kill him and marlo's like do it or don't but i got places to go he just does not the only, care. The only time we see Marlo mad is when when his name's disgraced. Yeah, right, he, he didn't right. know of it, and that's yeah. the only time we see him. Because Chris was trying it. to protect him from the nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, no, it's that's season five. I've, I've, Marlo, he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. Um, and of course, there's the classic guy. moment where he's stealing the lollipops for no reason. And yeah, the security yeah. guard tries to stop you him. You want it to be the other way. This yeah, one way. Kills the security it's guard. It's this way. You want it to be the other way. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. other thing is we should mention that, the, you know, the big the big thing at the end of season four is obviously they, they know these bodies are somewhere. Right. Yeah. Right. Where are all these bodies? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And again, like it's a situation where people don't care, right? The FBI in the first season wasn't willing to take the Barksdale case because they've been tasked with going after terrorists. And so the fact that, you know, the Barksdale organization's producing all these bodies, they're like, whatever, we can't help you. And in a way, we have a parallel to that in season four with the bodies and the vacants. You know, people don't want them to start taking down doors because if they do, they're going to find more bodies that will make the, the police department look bad. Meanwhile, there's yeah, all these then, people being killed and they're like, eh, whatever. Yeah, but then mm. someone tells them, uh, you know, Carcetti, oh, by the way, if they, they do it now, it'll come under Royce's. Exactly. So then he has yeah. a good reason right. to push so for like, it. Huh. Crazy, yeah, break it? all those doors as many as yeah. you can. Right. Exactly. Find them all now. Yeah. Find one less bowl of shit I got to eat. Yeah. What what do we think about uh McNulty's sort of absence in this season? I'm fine with it. Yeah. I think Do you he's... know what happened? Do you know what happened? No. Uh, really the reason why it happened is because the actor uh wanted to spend less time in America and spend more time with his family. Interesting. Yeah, because he's British, isn't he? He's Brit everybody's British in this show. Yeah, Every yeah, yeah, good yeah. actor in or Irish. every American Not Omar. show. This is Not a fact. Omar. No need to fact check this, but Not every Omar. brilliant actor is British. Not Omar. Yeah. No, not Omar Daniel or everybody Cayuga, else, okay. all the good Idris ones Elba, are yeah, British. Yeah, I got you. And uh, uh, played Gillen, Martin Luther King and Simon, yes. Right. Yeah, uh, no, all right, they, anything else in yeah, season he's, four? He's, 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 but, but they um, it, they agreed that he wouldn't be in season four, but I think they sort of did another agreement. It's like, but if we have another season, can we have you back for that? And he agreed to that. Okay. Which, and that brings us to back. season five. Yeah, we barely, by the way, we barely touched on Daniels, haven't we? <laughs> Yeah, well. about. Uh, this is Steve Earle, who is also a, plays a character in the show. Well, I beg your pardon. The reformed addict. Walk the straight and narrow track. If you walk with Jesus, he's gonna save your soul. You gotta keep a devil. Way down. 
And this is the final season. It's the season that focuses on journalism. And then McNulty has his serial killer thing. Yeah. Um, let's, yeah. let's not forget, right? If we haven't introduced enough new characters in this show, <laughs> let's introduce a, like, a whole press point, office. Yeah. Kay at this point was like, who are these? Yeah. Who are these people? Right, right, right. Yeah. The main it ones is, we need to like know. that at this point because you're like, uh, new yeah. people. Right, 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 right. new people. We've but got... I have to say, I liked Gus. Gus like, is instantly. Gus is instantly. is David Simon. Like that's David Simon's avatar. He's based on yeah. Gus, or Gus is based on him, and he's obviously the most wise, intelligent, you know, <laughs> real a, down to earth. The is so good oh yeah he's a great role. actor absolutely. i love that guy yeah yeah there's a great I little like story he tells about his dad reading the paper before one of work in the morning and you know the yeah. nature of journalism he has his little mentor or his mentee um uh, you know what though? david Maya. Simon made four seasons of a great show he's allowed to put himself oh absolutely in the no doubt about fine. and i think the points that he makes about how journalism works and what the the the, the push behind sensationalism and the shrinking newsrooms yeah. i mean those are all really important points there's no doubt about it my yeah, problem it is the headlines that... unless it's sensational exactly it? now the the fact that we have a cop faking a serial killer that's a yeah. bit much, and it feels it even out of character for McNulty. That's the problem I had with it. Yeah, I don't know whether he's out of character for McNulty, to be fair, but and, and it's not wildly out of character, it's just it. a little out of character. So, so the the show is mainly written by David Tomlin and another chap called is it Ed Burns? Is it Ed Burns? Yeah, yeah. So, Ed Burns is the he's he used to be a cop or a detective yeah. or something. Yeah, McNulty's so based on didn't, him. Yeah, he didn't um, actually take part in season five. He didn't write for season five, uh, which is so partly why people sort of say that season five has a slightly unrealistic element. Alder, to... it's Alder. You know what though? I kind of see this as like because I, I remember reading. I, I my, my one of my bad habits, and I'm, we're watching Narcos at the moment, so I have this habit of like. I want to see what characters, where the characters been, what shows the characters been in. Yeah. I want to start reading up, and Tara gets mad at me. She's like, "You're reading up, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're reading, you you already looked at who's on what." All right, and I read something about um, season four. I think I googled why isn't Jimmy McNulty in the show, <laughs> and one of the comments was like, "Does he come back?" And then somebody replied, going. Oh, he comes back. And I'm like, this is like them making up for him not being in season four. Look at Chinny doing research and reading. No! And let me, whoa. Lest we forget, if you're watching Narcos, that has subtitles. I know, yeah. Oh, like, the, the, we, change, we, we, Tara and I like, made the mistake because we always like have something to eat and then we start watching something, right? But we realized very quickly that Narcos is a terrible show to yeah. eat food to. Yeah, exactly. like, what did they say? Right. What did they say? What did they say? <laughs> right. We did that. We watched it. The first a, season of Narcos. We just finished the first one. There's a oh, Netflix so movie brilliant. called Atlantiques, which is all subtitled. And I, we were watching it while eating dinner on Saturday night. And I was like, no, I can't pay attention to both. Um, all right. Yeah. So back to The Wire. Season five introduces Scott Templeton as the up and coming young reporter. Uh, yeah, and then the Gus is bitch. the older. You know, yeah. And Scott Templeton is, uh, he also wrote some movies. Like, he's a really good writer. But anyway. Um, he is trying to get a Pulitzer. He wants to win awards. He wants to get the attention of the editors at the head of the paper. And he gets it. And he makes sacrifices. He makes some stuff up along the way. We see him fudging stories. Eventually, it mm-hmm. becomes clear that he's made it all up. He has this notebook that he flings at Gus. And then Maya, I think is her name, she takes the notebook and it's all blank. Um, I love I love him as a character, though, especially when he says, obviously, the killers contacted him. Yeah. And then McNulty says... 
oh yeah you know that, that definitely happened because we <laughs> right because, because they both realize oh we're acting this thing out <laughs> and it doesn't yeah. matter because about the both bullshit well, so we, we are getting what we need out of this yeah exactly um well, what, what my favorite thing about this season is is um gus you know gus hates scott yeah but there's never really i, I think it's the last episode or the last but one episode gus says I don't trust him. I don't trust him. Right. But he wants to give people the, the benefit of the doubt. He knows but, that but, journalists need to do some stuff that isn't totally on board. But he, but from episode one, two, three, four, like, you know, like, Gus just doesn't like this guy. Oh, yeah, totally. Right. And it's so, like, you know, you always talk about the show, not tell stuff, too. And, yeah. and it's a brilliant example of them just going, we've got we to gotta have some scenes where Gus just looks at Scott <laughs> yeah. in this weird way. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. And they never go... I don't like that. They, yeah. they never say that very yeah, quickly. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> it's great. I think, um, I think one of my favorite scenes with Scott is when he he tries to say the homeless person's been tried to be pulled into the van. Yeah. And then McNulty comes along and there's an undercover cop there. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, to be a trap. Right, right. Yeah, give, me a, give me a dollar and make it yeah, look yeah. real. <laughs> yeah, none exactly. of that stuff happened. And then just, exactly. yeah, tell me to fuck off or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, along the way, of course, we have Marlo up and down. We have Chris yeah. um, and Michael's being pulled into this world. And yeah. um, Michael is going to get got by snoop because it's time and it's a very interesting conversation she has with michael at the end here i want to play a part of that how y'all even know if walter behind everybody getting jacked i mean ain't y'all ever wonder if he even deserve any of this shit deserve got nothing to do with it it's his time that's all Yo, pull over in that alley right there. I gotta piss some fists. You better piss in that cup right there on the floor. Man, I'm gonna need 10 cups. Yo, pull over, Snoop. And of course, that's when he takes care of her. She yeah, asks, Michael, how does Michael my hair knew, look? though, didn't he? He knew. He, well, okay, that's how he got the drop on her. Yeah. Yeah, he knew. He knew, he knew because um, he did what Chris taught him to do, which was yeah. turn up like two, three hours early to exactly. a spot just exactly. to check it out. Watch it and see yeah. what happens. So, yeah. And also and, what's kind of, we and we haven't mentioned this, is really the setup for, you know, why Omar wants revenge on Marlo because, right. because what happened was, and this all started because, again, of Prop Joe mm-hmm. meddling and trying to get rid of Omar because he sets up Omar to rob Marlo. Right. And, and, and he, you know, and the, he also... Poker game. Right. And he also is mad about Butch, Butchie. We haven't even talked about Butchie, the blind dude who runs the bar. Yeah. Uh, they yeah. torture Butchie, him. You know. Yeah. And they uh, mess Omar's with him. Omar's ears, as it were. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's this whole thing about... Um, I think Michael raises a really important question there about like, how do you know that this person's responsible? Right. And Snoop's answer is the standard answer. Like you don't ask questions, right? We got our orders. That's the way it works. And this is what uh, Slim Charles says early on. Yeah, exactly. He says it's a lie, but we fight on that lie. And that's, that's what you want in soldiers. When the war is happening, you don't want a bunch of people saying, well, wait a minute, how do we know that's really the enemy? But the tragedy of a lot of people going to war is that they come home and they realize, you know what? Look, that poor farmer in Vietnam never did anything to me. I don't have any reason to want to go over and kill that person. Same with British soldiers fighting German in World War One or Germans fighting French or, or whatever it is. Um, there, there's this sad realization that, you know what? It's these people who didn't even come to the war 
who are the ones fighting with each other. They should handle it in a, you know, a stadium with clubs or something. Uh, that's what one of the characters says in All Quiet on the Western Front. But anyway. Yeah, I mean, earlier, earlier on in the series, Slim says we fight on that lie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's that's what they do in the show. You know, yeah. they, they, they fight on the lie, yeah. regardless of whether they believe it's true or not. Yeah. They do what they're told. And I like when... Snoop, Snoop's... Uh last kind of words was uh yeah, my hair look out okay. yeah, here's, here's my hair it looks good it looks good girl you look good good now of oh. course when michael does that he's a wanted man so he can't afford to let duquan take care of his little brother bug anymore so he sends bug to live with his aunt and of course their parting is one of the most tragic in the whole show because and poor duquan man. poor duquan has nowhere to go now so he goes to hang out to with the junk dealer yeah, and one of them shooting uh, up, and so we see Duquan asking Prez for money, and we know that it's not going anywhere, and Prez isn't stupid. Uh, he knows where it's going, but mm. he doesn't want to say no to this kid that he's done so much to help. Well, he wants to give him the chance, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, and he says, he I'll tell you what, you do this, you do with the money what you say you're going to do, and I'll see you at the school. He says he's going to enroll in some college or something. Uh, I'll yeah. see you there. But if you don't, then this is the last time we ever talk. And he's like, yeah, I'll see you, Prez. And I feel so sorry for Duke. But, but in that, mo- that, that last moment we see Presbo in, though, is very interesting because in that moment, too, while he's waiting for Prez, uh, there's this kid beating up the other kid or whatever. And he smashes the sandwich. And he's like, wait a minute. And he tells the kid, you go get a broom. You go clean this up. You're going to buy him another sandwich. And we see, like, Prez knows what he's doing now. Yes, he's got his teacher And he's voice. got a beard. He's got a beard. Um, he's handling I think we see business. that because it's important that we see that just before we, we get to do Quan's oh, yeah. sort of issue with oh, Prez. Yeah. Because... Because at this point, I think Prez has learned, like, hey, this is just another... I mean, you'll know this above me and Stu, but, like, this is another class, this is another year, yeah, another yeah, set of problems. Right, I right. can't wash every kid's clothes. Exactly. I can't, you know exactly. what I mean? It, 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 that's what it felt like to me when he was yeah. doing that for Daquan. Yeah. And I was like, he's not going to do this every year. This well, is because can't. it's his first right. year, and he doesn't get that. Like, right. and, this and, just goes on and on and on. Right, and it's the question yeah. about, like, yeah, what can you give every kid that they really need in that that is sustainable so that you don't kill yourself trying to do this job but you still care about the kids and you help them out in some way the best thing you can do is teach them to handle their business and deal with their own stuff so that they don't need you yeah can we just talk about you know no. as unrealistic <laughs> as the serial killer plot line is it's not the most unrealistic thing to happen in season five is why it? do you say that because omar jumps that, no no, no it's totally like- realistic i don't want to hear that Fifth or sixth floor balcony, and just oh, oh, oh the jumping off. I thought you were talking about Canard killing him. Yeah, no, but you know, here's the thing though, Stuart, Stuart, Stuart. I can't think there's got to be some explanation here. Stuart never tells Stuart you. that happened. How it's How is based that on a real thing. I don't think it was quite that high, but there was an incident. I don't remember the details. You can look them up. But there was some situation like that, and the dude jumped off of like a third or fourth story balcony, and he lived. And it's yeah, but I mean, they, they, let's be honest. Everybody right? says that there's no way. I know, I know, but I know. He should have had impacted hips or yeah, I know, I know. It, it it's it, it's unreal. But I mean, Omar's not doing well it, after that. We like know that Superman he's hobbling but, around and he's all crippled and messed is, up. This is when Omar increasingly becomes reckless. In well, what he's doing. he wants to get Marlowe on the street because he knows that he could handle Marlowe on a one to one. 
And he's always come out okay when he, he went up against Brother Muzon. He took down Stringer Bell. Omar has a right to feel invincible. And what he wants is to face Marla, but Marla's too much of a punk to come face him. Well, he's not, is he? He's not that he's a punk. But he doesn't know. So Marlo, Omar thinks him. he's a punk, right. But yeah. really, it's just that he's being shielded from it. Well, what I love is Omar's love for Honey Nut Crunch. Like <laughs> Honey Nut? Yeah. Because uh, he so goes beautiful. to the shop. I think it's like season three or something. Yeah. When he just goes to the shop to go and buy some Honey Nut Crunch. No, and and these, they took the come. out to him. Yeah. 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 Omar <laughs> coming, yo. Omar coming. Right, right. <laughs> And they throw out the stash and he's literally just going to the shop for cereal. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I love it. I love um, it. All right, I got five minutes, folks. Sh- we got to wrap this right, up. Well, we really we got to talk about Omar, Omar getting killed dying. Wow, by Kennard. That... At first, I thought I not knew it was fair, coming, but I not okay. It coming that way. Right. I, I thought it was so messed up when I first watched it. But then I realized wow. that, you know what? It makes a lot of sense. Not only because it shows that the killers are getting younger and younger, but, but yeah. Omar, Omar lets his guard down because he assumes, yeah, he oh, this kid isn't a threat to me. And he couldn't yep. be more wrong, of course. And that's to Kennard's benefit. It's, it's the same slip up that in Colito's way, yeah. where Al Pacino's character uh, sort of he even says in the narration, he says, "I, I if I was younger, I would have killed him." Yeah. And because he didn't kill this one right. character that you only see once, and that's, he comes back and kills him. That's why Banquo's yeah. son comes back for Macbeth. He in, in time the that's that's worm the comparison that I was also thinking of. Yeah, Macbeth. Yeah, which I've totally know yeah, the story. Exactly. Right. Again, going back to City of God, that's exactly what happens in that yeah, show. Yeah, you know, sure, the totally. coming, you know, new drug kingpins to replace the old ones are yeah. half their age. Well, again, what I like you know? about it, though, is that kid, um, he, it's not like some random kid. They set right. that kid up to be a right prick yes. for, a, for a while. He's the one who punks oh, Neiman yeah, in, in, in season three, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You know, he's mouths off to everybody. He's yeah, he's a... He's a, he's a you yeah. know he's a little troublemaker that kid, but oh, yeah. you, but you see the thing is I suppose with with Ziggy you knew he was a ticking time bomb, yeah. but I don't think I ever spotted that that kid was a ticking time bomb. Well, well and, he's not and, really; he's calculating. Well, that's the thing; he wants a name for himself. What more of a yeah, name can you get than by taking down Omar, this person who has eluded every gang and every kingpin who's ever walked? No one's going to mess with him now, are they? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's got more street cred than anybody else in the program. Exactly, he's nothing to do. He he's not gone off the rails, man. He he totally knew what he was up to. And in the final montage of course we see jimmy bringing the homeless dude back into the city after oh, he yeah. stashed him out poor of the way homeless man. uh poor yeah, homeless jimmy guy. actually does a good thing but he doesn't really help the yeah, homeless dude well. at all um <laughs> but we see the turning of the tides so to speak because now michael is the new omar and um we see who else do we see doing different things i mean there's different oh, things we see and right and, and exactly exactly right yeah right. and we see uh, we obviously see that uh michael's become the new omar yeah yeah so michael's yeah. new omar we Dude see just that like <laughs> sorry carcetti is now the the governor or whatever exactly carcetti's the governor and the Rose other woman's the new mayor like major whatever exactly that is the people the... are being promoted uh levy is is you know doing his thing and uh the, you know, the new uh, uh uh daniels yeah you know. right exactly there's winners and daniels losers. is now a lawyer and his girlfriend is the judge um yeah 
It's an interesting, and I I really like that because it speaks to not the eternal nature of the city, but the fact that life goes on independent in some ways of these characters and their, their stories aren't over. Right. Uh, Mark Twain's book adventures of Huckleberry Finn does not have the, at the start of the title. And that's not by accident. He wanted to make it clear that these are not all of his adventures. So um, it's an interesting way to bookend things. Exactly. Exactly. There's more to be said about all of these people. So, but we can't say it because that has to be it for now. Chinny, Stu, thank you so much for coming by. Yes, no. one last thing. One last thing. One last He's thing. Always gonna say the fucking I know. Last thing, you know? I'm just, just let him say, say it. I gotta go. McNulty finally settles down. Yes, he does. Well, Amen. He really and I hope he's happy up. with his cheating ass and beady. He and is. that's it. <laughs> Do you want to say something at the end here? Oh, uh, uh, something. Okay, oh, that was it. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Good show, isn't it? Yeah. It's Thank good. you. It's a good show.